plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And welcome to episode 100 of Cantrip Cartel. Uh, we are Cantrip Cartel. We're here to talk magic, yada, yada, yada. But what we're actually here to do is celebrate. We've literally made a hundred of these. If my counting is correct, which it may or may not be, but... You know, we have some extra episodes here and there. Not counting those, this is the 100 of, like, main weekly episodes. Matt, did you ever think we would get here? No, but I don't I don't really think about the future in that way. So, like, when we started it, I was, like, like just mentally, I was just like, we'll do this. I will do this until I hate it. Yeah. And then I'll stop. I <laughs> So, like, that may be five, ep that could be yeah. five episodes in the future. It could be indefinitely yeah. like i have no idea so like it's so when we first started and we we're getting all this going it was the big thing we always we always said was like you guys get episode 20 because the statistics a couple years ago were if you made episode 20 you were already in the top like what five percent of podcasts yeah, or something ten, five or ten percent of podcasts Just because the you know 99 percent of podcasts or 95 percent of podcasts never put 20 episodes out they get started, they get going, it becomes a chore, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of effort, and after doing something for 20 or 30 weeks, it's not new and exciting, and people bail out. And we quite avidly celebrated our 20th episode, and then we quite avidly celebrated our one-year episode. Um, I don't know, are we, when's our two-year anniversary? Uh, somewhere around now. It's actually, I, we are also because creeping we've skipped up weeks. So yeah, yeah. So like, you know, obviously like it would have been, uh, you know, if it, if we'd been perfect, it'd have been a couple of weeks. It'd been episode 104 would have been our two year, but we've skipped several weeks. So we're coming up on our one year anniversary or two year anniversary, but obviously episode 100 is a big deal for a podcast to be able to do something, you know, weekly a hundred times put out. I mean, with this episode, if it's you know, three hours worth of content. Yeah. Like uh, some of our shorter episodes were an hour. And our longer ones are three hours, and so like if you average it out to two hours a podcast, which is probably on this on this on the that's on light the end, end yeah. but that's two hours. It's two hundred hours minimum of content we've put up, maybe closer to three or four hundred. Not to mention some of the extra stuff we've done, and that's not counting the Patreon stuff we put up for the patrons only, which is another half hour to forty minutes. We've been doing that for about what a year, I think so, yeah. And so that's easily another fifty to a hundred hours of content. I don't know, probably closer to 30 to 50 hours of content, but still, yeah. holy cow. Um, so it's super cool to get to be here. Uh, it's This is almost exclusively thanks to all of you people that listening. Well, I mean, it's it that almost exclusively thanks to us, <laughs> yes, to be fair. But, it, but it, you it, guys if, count, too. <laughs> if, if no one ever listened, we probably wouldn't have kept making yeah, that's it. Like, true. So it's it's still shocking to me that we I see comments on our podcast that people are enjoying it. I see we get messages from people. We get emails sometimes. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. And um, you're welcome. And you're it's a very condescending way to say it, but you're welcome. Uh, Matt, how you doing today? Uh, I had a really good day at work. Uh, so, you I got, so you didn't do anything? No, it was actually quite the opposite. That's one of the things that drives me nuts is like even the good days in my current position, because I've, I've mentioned it before, but I'm stepping down to a, I'm demoting myself. Yep. Uh, from the position Which, I'm thank in. Thank I'm tired of dealing with his screw-ups. Right. Um, I have it on good authority from one of the people uh, at our head branch that happened. Uh, there's a lot of them. Yeah. It will. Not of mine. I know. That's, that's, yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of screw-ups. There's just a lot of screw-ups. It's just I'm the one catching them all. Um, and how dare you? I know. But uh, 
one of the problems with the job is like it'll be really stressful for like the first three hours and then I just won't have anything to do for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, but today was great. I banged out the uh my early morning stuff, receiving the truck and all the paperwork and shenanigans and all that kind of shit. And then I just went on run after run after run after run. And then my last run was in this neighborhood. And I got to come home early. Oh, that's nice. They're I, like, hey, you want to do this uh, run? I was like, fuck, yes, I yep. do. So, yeah, once in a blue moon, I'll get to have my last call of the day, and it'll be like 10 minutes from home. And it's like, <laughs> oh, fucking great. Yeah. Not only do I get effectively paid to drive home, uh-huh. but I'm also just home early. Yep. You're just, I'm just done. I get to the last half hour to 40 minutes of my day gets knocked off because I'm not driving from forever away. Yeah. So today, as far as work, went great. Um, the weekend, I pretty much spent playing... Uh, so Saturday we watched. Uh, Amanda and I watched a game, a uh, football game. Uh, we watched. Why? Per- she likes watching Purdue football, and I enjoy football. Um, mm. It's just I don't really watch. I don't really watch it a ton, but when I watch it, I'm fine watching it. So I love like when you go to like a restaurant and it's on. I love watching like if we're out doing something, having football on, mm-hmm. or like even I mean like soccer, baseball. But yeah, I don't think I've ever like been at home and tuned into a game. Yep. So maybe the Super Bowl. We watched. Like, uh, Purdue play Iowa play. I use play. Uh, Did they win? Let's just say I use play loosely. Well, yeah, but who Iowa performed? fucking wrecked them. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, it was it was closer in the first half than it looked. And then they just started to really pull away in the second half. Yep. Because like Purdue was able to drive the ball down the field quite a bit. And then they just flub it like they just could not get in the end zone consistently. And they actually did a good job holding, like, Iowa got, for lack of a better term, got lucky. Some some things went right mm-hmm. that were just kind of one-offs. So, like, on their first drive, they had, like, a 60-yard run. And I'm like, well, I mean, sure, that, but that's one play. It's early in the game. That oh, doesn't yeah. necessarily dictate the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, Purdue got a couple bad calls early, um, which didn't help. Uh, but basically the moral of the story is Purdue sucks at football and has for a very long time. And it's like they won last week against Illinois. That was a good game. I mean, it was good if you were a Purdue fan. It wasn't actually a good game of football because it wasn't close. Yep. They fuck up. It was like the mirror of yep. this uh, previous week against if Iowa. You like watching your team win. It was fun. Yeah. If you like a like an invigorating back to back or not, like like back and forth. Yeah, it wasn't that. Gotcha. Um, and so I was playing. I played a little Valheim while Amanda was using the PlayStation Five. Um, been messing around with that a little bit, and then primarily though, what I spent the weekend doing, as you saw, was finishing up Resident Evil Four, and then starting over on a hardcore run mm-hmm. to try to unlock the armor for Ashley. Yep. Uh, I finished that. I finished that the day today before you came over. Get your armor. Got the armor. Nice. Uh, I got all the little wind-up toys, so now I can um, buy the knife that you can upgrade to make it have infinite durability, so you don't have to repair the knife anymore. So I can do that now. So I'm going to have a couple bonus things to, like, kind of jumpstart me into, like, speedrunning. Mm-hmm. I use speedrunning loosely, but speedrunning yeah. some stuff. Um, bought the uh, infinite rocket launcher as you were you were over there. That was pretty fun to watch. Yep, and it was just like... That's a really good speedrunning tactic. It is. It's just one-shotting all the bosses. It it goes a long way. You know how we were worried about my time? Yeah. I finished with three extra hours. Yep. <laughs> I had plenty of time. <laughs> the game gets a lot easier when you just start exploding the map. Well, and not only just that, although that does help a ton, and it let you skip, it lets you skip a couple sections, too, but the biggest thing is, like, 
you don't have to like comb the area no. for resources. You just run straight to the objective, nuke anything that gets yeah. in your way, kill the boss and move on. That's what I was thinking is like watching you play because you were still like getting boxes and picking shit at it. And it's like you don't ha- I mean, there's obviously reasons to pick stuff up, but like, you don't have to anymore. There's we don't need to pick shit up anymore. Like no. I have everything I need in this rocket launcher. Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's mostly true. That is to, that's how I feel playing Dark Souls yeah. on the fifth playthrough. I don't even pick shit up anymore. I don't yeah. care. I don't care what you the get, enemy you can't dropped. offer me anything anymore. Like, I'm just I, here to kill stuff. Yeah. I go through a lot faster because I don't wait for the enemy to drop and go pick the item up and figure out what it is. I just don't, I don't go around and back to the corner because there's a good sword over here. It don't fucking matter. Yeah. Um, I was doing that mainly because I still need gold because like that's, yeah, at the time. Now on my primary save, I only have two guns. Yep. So I still need to rebuy all my guns and shit like that. Um, so I was trying to get at least a little bit of money. Um, and like I said, I still did end up having plenty of time. Um, so did that. Uh, you played some Resident Evil 4 as yeah, well. I probably played for like an hour and a half. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, I'm, so I, what I, did you think? I, the game's pretty easy. <laughs> if you have uh, maxed out guns and tons of extra ammo. <laughs> and by pretty easy, you mean do each section three or four times. Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely died a lot. <laughs> Now, now, in my defense, I'm still learning how to play the game, but yeah, I died a ton. I, I did many sections multiple times. Um, it was a very fun game. It is not scary at all. It's like I this is a classic example of I was told as, let's say, a six or seven year old, you don't want to play this game. It's super scary by my big brother. Mm-hmm. And I've never played one since. I do not like scary games. 100 percent. I hate scary games. I was told this game is very scary and you will not like it. And I have never, I have that imprinted in my mind, the idea for the last 20 ish years, those games are scary. I don't want to play them Mm -hmm. and I have no desire. And this game was not scary. It's, there's a few tense moments. Um, there's a few spots we kind of get jump scared by an enemy coming up behind you and whatnot, but no, they're not scary. Uh, it's, it's, it's an act. Well, at least this one, Yeah, I was going to say that's the big difference in the resident evil series is even going back the original resident evil four. It was where the series shifted yes. from like what you've said. Horror, survival horror to basically just action yeah. with some like horror element. Like there's monsters yeah. and shit. Yeah, there's monsters. And you're in you're in a scary dark place sometimes. But like, well, there was that one tunnel, though. Yeah, I was going to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's very much an action game. And I had a lot of fun playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the way the controls are, like the way the aiming is kind of janky. But that's also a big part because I don't play shooters on controller anymore. Yeah. Like a big part of that is I haven't played a shooter a shooter with a controller in probably 10 years. I've, I'm mouse and keyboard all day with that stuff. So it's very clunky. It was hard for me to kind of get the feel for it again. But it was tons of fun. I had a lot of fun playing it and shooting them. And I wasn't taking it super serious. Like luckily I got to jump in on a, an account that had the like, guns were all max. There was enough ammo. Um, you did say I wasn't blowing through it too quickly like i was the game was i was keeping up with the game relatively speaking in terms of how much gives me how much i was using but i wasn't doing good i, I it was a really fun game though. I, I did really enjoy it there was a couple tense moments and there was a couple like there's there's some scary stuff and i'm at the point like i said i know myself as a gamer and so like we were playing and i was working through the area where like the bugs are flying around and in one of them like you can go left which is obviously the main forward and to the right is just a dark tunnel and I looked at it and said, nope, fuck that, <laughs> yeah. and just walked away from it. So, I talked about it either last week or the week before. The camouflage yes. on those fucking bugs is, like, perfect, isn't uh-huh. it? So, we were walking. We were, I, had, I, I, I started playing right before we, we encountered them. And so, we were going forward, and Matt's like, okay, stop. Look up. And I did. 
It's okay. Now look down. And I did, and I rolled past the camouflage enemy like two or three times. So then I shot him, started walking forward, and he said, okay, stop. There's one on the ground in front of you, too. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there was like seven or eight times where I'd be moving through the map, and he'd say, okay, there's one to your right. And <laughs> they're obviously there. Yep. <laughs> and they're also, they're, they're blended in really well. And I think what... It, it what's got to be about them is they're shaded incorrect. Like the shading of the game is done very well. The way that light reflects around and the way the shadows are cast mm-hmm. and they're shadowed incorrectly shadowed in correctly. Yeah. Is in the right way. It's not yeah. like it, but so like they're shadowed correctly. They're shadowed yeah. correctly. And so like whenever I'm playing, I feel like I always feel like I'm looking for like an old Scooby-Doo show mm-hmm. where and like, it's not, the case because like anyone who's seen old cartoons and old Scooby, like you know which book opens the bookcase because there's only one of them that's actually colored in. The rest of it's a background, and that one's actually a uh, uh, what? What are they called? They used to draw on. Uh, I forget exactly. The cell? sheets. Uh, yeah, that that one that one's shaded in with a cell, and so that's meant to be animated. Um, and this game, they're not. They're just they're rendered in very well, and and they fucking get you all. I, I kept not seeing them. I mean, I probably saw like legitimately saw less than half of them. Without Matt pointing them out to me, and I bumped into a couple of them. Like what it did for those areas really well is it made me want to walk. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of the game is running. There's no reason not to run, and that section made me really want to walk around corners yep. and walk. You through walk the with your gun drawn, so like you you're kind of like moving through the area like yeah. you would, where your gun's shouldered and yep. ready to fucking shoot at something. Yep. Whereas the rest of the game, I'm fighting humans. There's no reason I can just run around corners. It's fine. Like yeah. the game has reaction time for them built in. They're not gonna. They're not waiting around a corner to shoot me like in Tarkov. Yeah, some of them are, but they're they're like staged events where yes. it's just like you're supposed to just get fucking domed yep. by this guy. Dark Souls has some of those where like if you walk around a corner slowly, they'll reach out and grab you real yeah. quick. But for the most part, they won't. And that section did a really good job of like that brought on the tension. I wasn't like scared, but it very much brings it into a sense of like you need to be a little slow. You need to methodically work your way through it. No, it was, it was a ton of fun. I played it for an hour and a half, and I was ready to give it to you. I was ready for a break from it. And unfortunately, because I wasn't saving anything, because I didn't want to mess up your save file, I had to lose all my progress. Um, but I could totally see playing that game. That'd be a lot of... That, that game was, was fun to play. I probably wouldn't buy it. That probably isn't the kind of game I would like to uh, play a bunch, because I am not a huge fan of, like, severely limited resource games. Mm-hmm. I much prefer the games like... Call of Duty, where the shooters were like infinite ammo, basically. Yeah, ammo's not really that big a deal. Like you play the Call of Duty campaign, you do kind of have infinite ammo. So, yeah, like you you don't have infinite ammo until you kill a dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's like I have fifty rounds. Well, it takes three rounds to kill this guy, and, and he drops fifty rounds. He'll drop fifty or whatever, or have a gun I can pick up or whatever. So, like that's part of the reason why I usually play hack and slash games or sword. Like you know, I in Dark Souls I always have a sword. I don't I don't I don't have to worry about running out of weapon you can run out of healing obviously and that like resi is the same way but in dark souls i'm never out of the fight yeah like i always have something to fight with so like in resident evil they did a they balanced the combat a little bit by you do your parrying which based on my gameplay is a very integral part of the game or at least the way i wanted to play it it was Mm -hmm. i very much enjoyed playing the game with like being in the group of enemies watching for the attacks and parrying them and getting the attacks getting the kicks or the stuns and I ran out of knife. I forgot to repair it at a dude, and I had to play a whole section without a knife, and it was a really rough spot. Because mm-hmm. um, the knife has le- a really legitimate durability before you get the unlimited one, the infinite durability yeah. one. It's it's not it's really not bad. But one of the things that does nuke your durability a lot is if you get grabbed 
and you had to R2 to mm-hmm. like get out of the grab, that takes a solid chunk. Yeah. Like your parries, you can, especially with the knife I had that you were using, yeah. which is not infinite, but it like you can parry all fucking day and you can like stab all day. Yeah. You can stealth kill all day. But when you start having to get out of grabs, so, it nukes the durability. That's probably what I, I yeah. probably I probably got grabbed a couple of <clears> times and ruined my knife and and and, and forgot to repair it. Mm-hmm. So I just went into a section without my knife fixed and like the game was a, was much harder not being able to parry enemies. And then it gave you three knives. And then it gave me a couple of knives. Yep. Then it <laughs> stocked me with a couple of knives. I was able to get through the area and repair it. Um, Those two fucking blind guys. <laughs> that boss fight. That nuts. was rough. <laughs> that was fun. That was cool, but that was rough. And mm-hmm. oh, for perspective, also, I was playing it on a hard difficulty. I yeah, wasn't the, the second hardest. I was I wasn't <clears> playing on like easy or normal because it. But to balance that, I also had on you know fully upgraded equipment. But I was. Playing on yeah a harder difficulty, so it was a little it was a little tougher. But yeah, that was a that was a tough fight that I think we ended up. I kind of got cheesed a little bit where like they kind of like the sniper rifle wasn't triggering them. You remember there was a couple times where well, like what it is is it goes through them and then it hits the wall. Oh, is that what it's supposed it to makes be? a noise? So the penetration of it going through it is can, what distracts yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Okay, because like we were fighting, yeah, it, like it spawns in two dudes that can't see but they can hear you and they. Run they over and fuck you they up. They slash the fuck out of you. They also kill the other enemies, which was handy. I loved when they were fighting each other. That they, was yeah. hilarious. One of them hit, <laughs> they hit, hit. So like there's a spot where you, like you lured them over and I threw a couple grenades at them and they started fighting each other a little bit. And I kind of got lucky. They got stuck in kind of a corner fight, fucking with each other. And I got like three grenades on them and that killed one of them. And then it was pretty easy to yeah. like go around, shoot him a few times in the back, maybe kill a dude, then run away, walk a little bit. Um, but it was it was it was a really fun game. It was it was a fun. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would being a Resident Evil game. So, yeah, as long as the Resident Evil games are trending more towards the action horror side, then I I they'll I probably would like them. The ones that are legitimately horror, I won't. The, and so like even uh what's the one with the swamp? Is that Resident Evil 7, the remake? Yeah. Uh well uh, there's no it's that's not, not a remake. Those yeah, are those, are, those are still Evil. new ones. Yep. Uh, okay. Resident Evil 7. Where there's there you're like just I the, think it's name's Ethan and, and the there's Baker like a crazy family. yeah the crazy family the Bakers yeah. yeah um I probably wouldn't enjoy that one because there's a lot of hyper tense scenes in that I've watched them all be played and uh that and eight the village mm-hmm. and there's a lot of hyper tense scenes where you're walking through a very scary area and it's meant to be very jump scary and it obscenely tense. And I don't think I'd like those very much, but I didn't I didn't really encounter any of that with this one. There wasn't a whole lot of tension other than just like background tension of like, yes, this is scary. There are enemies everywhere, but the game is very much pushing you forward. There's no it's um, a very linear game, very linear. There's no um, like running back away from things or like skirting around to get away from stuff. There are several scenes like in Resident Evil 7 where like you're just running from him and you're just trying to hide. and He's punching through walls and you're trying to just get away mm-hmm. i would not enjoy that very much but this game was very like combat forward shoot the things kill the things yeah you are supposed on. to be a badass but you have limited resources yeah and that's basically what it is yep um whereas like the ones that kind of bookend it so you've got like one two and three which three starts a little bit like you can start to craft ammo uh-huh um which is one of the big things that like okay you have technically limited ammo, but you never really struggle for ammo yeah. in the third one. But like one and two, you're just like you're a cop and there's fucking monsters everywhere and like you're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Three, you get a little stronger, but so does the enemy. Three is the introduction of Nemesis. So you just have a fucking badass who chases you yeah. around the whole time. Which I would hate that. It, 
it's not bad in the original nemesis because he's in scripted moments he doesn't chase you through the whole game like there's just moments when okay. he shows up <clears throat> and it's uh one of the cool things about it is a you have if you're playing even remotely well you have enough ammo to fight him every time he shows up and uh-huh. kill him um b if you do that he drops parts for your guns which makes your guns like they just upgrade your guns yeah um and c you can run away from most of the things so like he shows up you get a quick prompt where you only have a couple seconds to decide and you can choose to either fight or run Uh and if you choose run you just dip and like you can get away from him and basically for the most part get out of that encounter Uh uh does help to know the map pretty well but like you can kind of avoid it to some degree. I always like my first playthrough. I'm just like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> and like, yeah. Cause I want the stuff he drops. Yeah. Like the, and like, I didn't know the map. So where am I going to run to? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. I don't know what happens if I run away. So like, fuck it. I'm going to kill this guy. Uh, and then four just kicks it off with action. And then five you've played where there's like, there's, they don't even have like ammo limits really. Yeah. Like there's just like enemies drop tons of ammo. You can fucking like, I have all kinds of like buying shit. Like you can go to the fucking uh, screen, like the the menu and like buy ammo and stuff like whenever you want stuff like that. And it's co-op, which does help. Huge. Yeah. Um, it's having this having someone to pull aggro is huge. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people really don't like Sheva's uh, AI and they don't like that she's in there, even if you don't have an actual player controlling her. Gotcha. And like, it's not great AI. But if you play the game, you kind of figure her out and you can kind of predict what she's going to do. Uh-huh. And you can kind of use that to your advantage. There's also the fact that she's got really good aim. So if you get her, give her the sniper rifle, she will just oh. pop heads off. She just starts doming people. Yep. Yeah. So you give her like the uh, the handgun that has a high chance to crit, uh-huh. which in that you have to get a headshot to crit. Uh, in the Resident Evil 4 remake, you don't, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Um, your guns just have a chance to crit. Whether wherever you hit the enemy, they do more damage if you hit them in the head. Mm-hmm. So a crit on a headshot will probably just kill an enemy, uh-huh. but you can crit just by shooting them in the chest. Um, you give her that and the sniper rifle, and she's just popping heads off left and right. Nice. Um, I think a lot of people also don't know that in Resident Evil Five, you can actually she has two different effectively stances. She's got attack and cover, and I didn't even know that the first time I played through the game, mm-hmm. and she was just permanently in cover. Um. I imagine a lot of the people who don't like her played and she got somehow they got her put on attack. And if you put her on attack, she will just empty every fucking round she has into the closest enemy. Like she's super aggressive. Yeah. And they're like, well, she just uses all my ammo. And I'm like, well, you just yeah, put her in her, cover and you've got her queued in to do that. Right. So yeah, four and five and six are the action ones. And then seven and eight are, Eight's got a little bit more action They're than seven, definitely, but I I would still classify them as action horror because there's that you you give a gun wheel. I mean, how how horror can a game be if they give you a gun wheel? Right. You have four slots of you know and grenades and shit, and and super fast, super effective healing. But they're also they're way more tense. There's way more creepy and stalk through, and so I probably wouldn't enjoy those as much. But the action horror ones, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Probably not the kind of game I would spend sixty bucks on and play. But at a buddy's, like if we came over and you're like, hey, and we do, if we just pass the controller back doing a playthrough, it'd be tons of fun. I really hope they remake five in the same vein that they've done the remake of four. Because playing, I mean, like playing Resident Evil 4 remake with co-op would mm-hmm. just be fucking sweet. If we started doing that, I would probably bring my, uh, I'd bring my lap dog over. I have a, it's a, it holds your keyboard and mouse. And I'd mm-hmm. probably, uh, I would like, I would see play, if you get it to work. I would see if I get it to work so I could play. Like I'd play that, playing that game with keyboard and mouse would probably be a lot of fun. 
I love playing keyboard and mouse when mm-hmm. it comes to shooters. I just can't stand like the movement on a keyboard is probably going to be weird. It's way worse. It's it's a trade off of like, like 10 times better. Yeah. The movement is probably 50 percent worse, 30 to 50 percent worse because you just have forward and sideways and then halfway in between. There's a lot more like like up over up over versus this one where it's just like I'm just going to run in the perfect diagonal. But you get to exchange it with like being able to actually aim. Shooting is uh, is 10 times better. And I would gladly sacrifice a little movement for smoking hot aim. Dude, what we should do at some point, we'll hook up my Wii and play the original Resident Evil 4. Do you have the the gun? You you I don't have the gun, but you can use the fucking remote to aim. Yeah, that's awesome. So like. Well, when I was younger, you just like point at the fucking screen and just start popping heads. Off. I don't know if it's when World at War came out, but when Call of Duty World at War came out, I had it on the Wii mm-hmm. and I had the little gun that it slots into. So like I was running around shooting Nazis on the fucking Wii with a fucking gun with like a trigger mm-hmm. and everything. It was really fun. That yeah. was really, really fun. Yep. I've had a couple of games like uh, the for PlayStation, the Die Hard trilogy. It was basically like an arcade shooter. Yeah. It's like an on rails, like the first person thing yeah, where you're just about. moving through the levels, popping everybody. Yep. With a little light gun, you, you just use your controller to uh, move through the menus and shit like that. That's awesome. Um, we also had a... Uh, Do you ever play the game Time Splitters? No. So Time Splitters was cool. It was an arcade game, and it was a, it was a light gun shooter, but it had a pedal. And the like, if you didn't press the pedal, you were undercover, and you press the pedal to pop up. Oh, okay. So like, it was fucking really cool, and we yeah. had the pedal and the gun for Time Crisis. That was so much fun. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Time Crisis or Time Splitters? Time Crisis. Uh, you said time, time Splitters. I meant Time Crisis. Because I played Time Crisis. Yeah. I played that game. I played one of them. At yes. the arcade? Uh, No, I think I had it on PlayStation. Gotcha. I didn't, I didn't, so I didn't have, like, I didn't get to do the, uh, I had to push a button. So, like, it was like, square pops you out, and then you aimed yeah. a shot. Yep. Um, But I did play a lot of that. Yeah, that's that's what I meant, Time Crisis. Time Splitters yeah. is a different first-person shooter, uh, which is also a hell of a lot of fun. But Time Splitters uh, 1 no, and 2 are yep. fantastic. I games. played one of the Time Crises a lot because it was a fun. It was one of those. I remember because, like, I got good enough that I started getting, like, the secret levels or mm-hmm. stumble across them. But you do good enough for you wherever you get to go to the secret level or the. I think I played it enough that, like, there was a way you could unlock mirror mode mm-hmm. where all the levels are just mirrored, which is just a different way of playing them. But I got to have that unlocked. I, I played a shit ton of that. It was yep. fun. But yeah, so that's basically what I did over the weekend was play some Resident Evil. I'm just going to, I will just like keep playing it until I'm hit the wall of like, I don't have anything else to do except try to do like the incredibly difficult stuff. And mm-hmm. at that point I'll probably take a break. Cause like, I don't foresee myself ever getting like the S plus on professional. I yeah. don't, I really don't even, I probably won't even try it. Yep. I could probably do it, but it sounds like a fucking pain in the ass and not fun at all. That's probably, that's similar to how I played dark souls three. Like I just kept, replaying it until i wasn't getting anything out of it anymore like i obviously what i quit finding new items forever like Mm -hmm. but i just i was still enjoying like getting good at the boss fights and honing scrubs and finding smooth fast ways through the map and then eventually just like i i started talking to you it's like i just need to like do a no hit run i need to do like i need something to kind of push me here and maybe that's what i need to do and uh i used to think about maybe i will do a no hit run sometimes i'll put the time in and then i remember i was watching aspiring spike because he's a huge dark souls fan and he was talking about one of them. It might have been the original Dark Souls, but he had committed to doing a no hit run. He talked about it on the stream. He was like, "I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I want to get a no hit run done." Every, you know, tons of people have done it, but he wanted to. 
And then I kind of watched him through YouTube videos progressively talking about it for months. And he would like end his stream and then go practice for sometimes hours Mm -hmm. every day. And after weeks and weeks and weeks of him doing that and still saying like, we're not quite there yet. We're going to keep working on it, though. It dawned on me like I'm not. Yeah, it's a full time job. If I'm you want to do never going to do a no hit run of Dark Souls three, mm-hmm. uh, where someone who is legitimately good at it because he probably plays it a shit ton, and he's been like going as a part time, he's been treating it like a part time job for the last month, and he still isn't ready to do a, even try a no hit run because he's just practicing bosses over and over and practicing sections. It's like I'm, I'm probably never going to no hit run Dark Souls, and that's I just don't. It's fine. It's fine, but like nah, I'm good. Well, and like. The thing that would drive me nuts is it's a little different on PC because you can ma- manipulate your saves and whatnot. But like on PlayStation, you can't really even practice the bosses. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you fight them. You'd have to. I Well, you'd I would have to, I'd download a mod. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, like you'd, you'd have to download some kind of mod that I could just I could just run every boss over and over until I can consistently no hit them. Yeah. But even then, like you've like we talked about, like that's all just trying to. Either you have to practice every section of the map a lot or just get good at or get a lucky run where you happen to skate through and not get snagged by a random hit, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's part of it. Like those runs you see, the one they post Mm -hmm. is the one where everything went right. Yeah, they got you you don't see the hundred hours they put into this two hour run. They got they did really good. They had a perfect run and got lucky. Both of those things have to happen. That's like I've, I've talked to people about like the, like doing podcasting and whatnot, and they're like, "Oh, you know, like you think you'll ever go viral? You think you guys will be really, really popular?" And I'm like, "I don't know, maybe." The way to the way to have your podcast go super viral and get super super popular is make a lot of content, make it really well, and then get lucky. Like Pretty much. you have to do the first two, and then hit the lottery as well. Yeah. If you don't do the first two, you probably won't. You probably can't hit the lottery. All. All it means when you make a ton of content and you do a good job producing it and it sounds really good is now you can start buying scratch offs. Mm-hmm. And every week we buy a new scratch off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've watched a ton of, I used to watch a ton of speedrunner content yep. and it's just like just watching them. I used to, I was a very, very amateur speedrunner myself back in the PlayStation 1 era. Uh, Resident Evil 2 and Metal Gear Solid were the games I would run mm-hmm. um, and just work on them and work on them. And like this was before this was basically before I had Internet access. So it was just yep. me trying to like just run through the games as quickly as I could. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, like never anything close to like what the actual speedrunners do now. As for, for perspective on how I've never done anything like speedrunning, I've literally only ever completed a game. One game, I believe, 100 percent. Two games almost, but one game I did 100%. It was Battlefield 3, mm-hmm. and that was only because after my parents got divorced, I spent a summer living with my dad, and he went to work all day. So you just spent the summer playing I Battlefield I didn't 3. have a job, and he didn't have internet. So I didn't have, like, any games to play. I didn't have – I couldn't, like, fuck around on you. So I would, like, either watch – play on my phone, or I would play Battlefield 3. And I played it enough times. I was like, I guess I should just 100% it. And I started, like, looking up where all the secret – um achievements are and just started knocking them off my list mm-hmm. the only other game i ever came close to 100 ing which i technically did in my opinion was assassin's creed black flag the only part of the games that i did not 100 i did i got every achievement i found i found all the things i got all the like, there's big musical notes you have to run and get and you have to go to every island and collect everything the only thing i didn't do is there's community achievements oh. where you have to stumble you have to be online 
to find for these random events to occur. And you have to, and what makes it easy is if one of your friends, uh, Ubisoft friend, finds it, it'll ping it on your map. But so I played the entire game for probably well over 100 hours offline because I don't play Assassin's Creed online. And so during that time, I never found the random spawning community chests you have to find 10 of and the. You have to kill three white whales that spawn randomly. You have to just, and they're, they spawn for 24 hours and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And there was something else I had to do. Like these random achievements that are you as a, you had to take down like a Royal Navy ship that would spawn and it's, it exists for 24 hours in this area. You have to stumble across it. And if I had been online, well, I probably would have just found them, just stumbled across them eventually, but I didn't because mm-hmm. I wasn't online. So then I went back and I, I remember I spent I spent like a week or two going to because the problem was the game was kind of old by then like the game had been out for months and months and months and months maybe even over a year yeah um I was going onto like old like onto Reddit threads and trying to find people that were like posting up to date like oh hey I found a white whale at these coordinates and like some Reddit threads would be six months old and some would be a week old and some would be a day old and and they I, need to be twelve hours old. and they need to be twelve hours old and so like I never one hundred percented that game because. Online I got, nonsense. I online nonsense. I 100 percent the rest of it. But there's two games in my life I've ever put the time into actually like even just doing all the shit, let alone getting good enough at the game to like rush through it and do it perfectly. That's just not the way I like to play games. Yeah, me neither. It's I I did uh the only other game I the game that I like I've a hundred percented games before achievements came out. Mm-hmm. So for example, we talked about it uh uh yesterday where like Super Mario World, I've got the like literally everything on it. Yep. I forget exactly how it is, but it's like a hundred plus there's like, there's like bonus levels up in the like cloud and shit like yeah. that. Like I finished that. Um, there's like Resident Evil five. I got on Xbox one was, uh, I've got all the achievements on that, but nice. my Xbox one is dead. So, so you can't prove it. So it didn't happen, I guess, <laughs> but it, I, you it, know, I just bought it three more times, but you know, it didn't happen. Um, but stuff like that, like the games I really like the the primary reason, like I don't give a fuck about achievements. Yeah. The only thing I care about as far as achievements go is like they kind of give you a hint of like extra stuff you can be doing. Yeah. So like there's been a couple games where like I'll pursue that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't care about getting them all. It's just I really like this game. What else can I do in it Yep. to have some sort of goal that's, well, like, that's not just completely arbitrary? That's the reason I like did 100% on Battlefield 3 was like I had nothing to do. This is the only game I like playing and I've already beaten this campaign 25 times. Mm-hmm. How can I make the campaign more fun? Let me go hunt down all these stupid little side missions to do in the campaign and all the, and the little time trials. Where you have to beat this level by so long been so much time to get the trophy or whatever. Yep. Like that's just a, just a way to make the game last a little longer. Cause I have nothing better to do. Yep. Well, we used to do that all the time. Cause we didn't have, we not only did we not have anything better to do, you only had a couple games mm-hmm. when I well, was, yeah, at my dad's house, I didn't have like I was I was out I was fresh out of high school. I wasn't working because I was preparing for college. I had college coming up in a couple months, so I didn't like really get a job. And like, I what am I gonna? I don't have any money. I'm not. I don't. I can't be buying a bunch of games. I don't really have internet, so I guess I just have these one or two games I like playing. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to do. And I just sat around and played Battlefield all day. Yep. While he was at work, used to do that a lot with uh, like just fighting games. So like. Street Fighter mm-hmm. 2 and Mortal Kombat and shit like that and just play them all day. Unlock everything. My dad and I, this is one of the good memories I have of my childhood. He uh he called off work and then he made he had me stay home and we played Prim- uh, Primal Rage all day, just fighting game with just like 
dinosaurs and shit. Yeah. And we just like learned every fucking move. Yep. Like, and cause like if you're playing a computer, like they don't just let you sit there and just input shit. Right. Yeah. We learned every move for every character, wrote them all down, like figured out which characters we liked. And then and just, you can like, just Google that shit. Right. Yeah. This was way before Google. Yeah. <laughs> Back when you did it the hard way. Yep. And then, I mean, we just, uh, for one year we were, I had literally no money. Like we were not even, we didn't have enough money as a family for us to get like allowances. Uh-huh. So for, uh, Derek's birthday one year, I played through all of Twisted Metal Two with every character. Got him the password because the there wasn't even there's in Twisted Metal Two you don't even save. Yeah, you, just you get, beat a level and you get a password. You, you can just Google those, you know. Yep, you can. Um, <laughs> or you can beat the game and do it. So I like I played through every character, wrote down the password for every level. Uh-huh. Like that way he could. Um, the big thing was obviously play any level as any character, but so you can he could skip to the end. And watch the like storyline cutscene at the end, which are really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also animated really well, especially for the time. It's this like comic book style still animation thing that looks really cool. Uh, and it's basically Calypso. He runs the tournament, and he's a. Uh, it's basically like the monkey's paw or like um, needful things style shit, where it's like you ask for a wish, and the wish always backfires. Yep. So, but yeah. Just did that kind of shit for him. Like, that's what we do with video it's, games. It's kind of funny. Like, I'm joking here being like, hey, you just Google that shit, right? I was watching. I've been I, I'm on the last season of MASH. My wife and I have been rewatching MASH again, which I fucking love MASH. I love MASH so much that my wife, I got her some ducks for her birthday. I, I knew, I, a little gift. I had a, I was at a customer's house and they were selling ducks. So now she has, she's wanted two ducks forever. Now she has a couple ducks. She named them um, Hawkeye and Honeycut. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the episodes is centered around they're stuck like rewatching the same movie every week. They get a movie sent to them for their mash unit to watch. And it's always the same two or three movies and how much they hate always being stuck with the same movie and all the work they go through just to get a new movie. Can we watch something different? And I was, I just occurred to me as like, wow, it's kind of funny now. Cause like if I had a family member or a brother or a friend in a war, I could send them a USB drive with a hundred movies on it. Yep, easily. Like it, and it would take if 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 they're in a situation they have no internet, which a lot. I mean, plenty of military personnel have internet access. Mm-hmm. Like casually, even if they didn't, if they can get mail, I could just send them like, hey, here's a hundred and fifty movies, easily across. Yeah, like that's that that's a moderately sized flash drive. Yeah, like and just how because the mash is set in the Korean War. I think it's set in like 1952, 1953. And just how obscenely different the world is 65, 75 years later. Well, it was set in the 50s. I think it was recorded in the 70s. But yeah, how much the world has changed in 70 years where like they go through all this effort because I just want something different to watch once a week, please. And I'm like, you just it's so that's just nothing now. <laughs> Why don't you just turn on Netflix? Yeah, like, I could, like, duh, I'm watching you on the answer. There's <laughs> like, <laughs> Netflix. That's exactly what it I'm was. I'm gonna watch Mash on Netflix. Yeah, you should do the same. <laughs> yeah, you, you could. Well, and like, and just again, like you just get to see. It's kind of cool to get to see a, a piece of like how people used to live. Mm-hmm. That's obviously way before my time, but you know, it's fucking like they lived for Mail Day. And I'm not a military personnel, and never, I would never claim to be one. But just to see, under the assumption Mash is portrayed somewhat accurately, and I'm going to assume it was because it was popular. And if Mash wasn't somewhat accurate, it probably wouldn't have been somewhat popular. But like under the assumption, that's how people acted on mail day where they're just super excited to get a letter from their wife. They haven't seen in two years mm-hmm. that, that that she sent a week and a half. Like they, they lived around that. Whereas now half the time you can video call 
your friends or family in the military across overseas. Well, yeah, I mean, we're basically in constant communication with everyone at all. And it, that's such an awesome thing. But like, it's just how great. I remember one of them, one episode, they the whole episode was, was spent around for whatever reason. They couldn't get newspapers. And all anybody wanted to do was read a newspaper to see what was going on back in the States. And the whole episode was centered around one of the um, the one of the guys had gotten a bunch of newspapers from his family. They, he'd send him like seven or eight newspapers mm-hmm. and the camp went fucking insane trying to get the newspapers from him. Yeah, because they just want to read the something newspaper to read. All they want to do is read about what happened in the States in this three weeks ago. You know, these newspapers, they got sent <laughs> from somewhere in the United States to Korea it took him a week and a half to get here, and there's a two weeks of newspapers anyway. Mm-hmm. What happened three and a half weeks ago on Wall Street? And that's the that was just the that was the coolest thing ever for them. And now we live in a world of just obscene amounts of information at instant speed, no matter what. Like somebody could write an interesting news article in in Vietnam today, and I could probably be reading reading a translated version of it tonight. Oh, probably before then. Like, like just, that's just obs- that's crazy. As far as my week to kind of wrap up this uh, this, this uh, little segment, um, I didn't do a whole lot except I've been playing a fair bit of Apex and uh, really been enjoying that. Really been reminded that I am okay at video games. I was playing last night with a buddy of mine, Alex, and we uh, my Alex, not yours. Well, I hope not. <laughs> you fucking seance. <laughs> you guys uh, barely liked each other, anyways. I can't imagine you going through the trouble to raise him he, from the dead. He's been haunting me for the fucking, last ten years. Like, so put it in perspective. Jake, Alex, and I played Apex together as a three man squad yeah. pretty regularly, and it got to the point where they would bitch and gripe so much at each other that I couldn't fucking. I will like. I will play with Jake, or I will play with yeah. Alex. I will not play with Jake and Alex. We did not game well together. <laughs> nope. I like to think that well, Alex both was like the... to be in charge. That's yeah. the problem. And I was way better at it than Alex was. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did not game well together. Uh, but I do thank Alex for getting me into Apex. I do love playing it. But my Alex, and I we were playing, and we play in the open queue because I'm not high. You have to be level 50 to play ranked. Mm-hmm. Level 50. That's like, again, like, why do I have to have 80 hours or 50 hours into this game? Like I, we'll win a match and I'll go from like, I'll get like a quarter of a level. That's winning. Mm-hmm. I have to have so much time in this game to play ranked, but whatever. And what I've, after, you know, a couple of weeks of playing me and him or me, him and Weston, we'll win. I, I think we, we pretty consistently win like 50% of our interactions, like hands down. Like it wasn't even fucking close. We just curb stomp these people 50% of the time. And then another 20 to 30% of the time, we pretty consistently win. Where, like, it's close, we're fighting, I'll go down or he'll go down, but we'll get the, you know, we'll finish him off and I'll res him. So, like, 80% of the time, in my opinion, on a straight 1v1 fight, we have a decent chance of winning. And, like, all I can think of is all the struggling I did in Tarkov and how I, like, literally used to look at myself in the mirror and go, Am I the problem? Is it me? So then last night we were playing, we won three matches last night, including a back-to-back, which felt really good. And while we're playing, one of his other buddies got on and he didn't want to play Apex. He wanted to play Tarkov. And I said, well, I had recently watched a video. I've recently watched a video. I think I talked about how like how rampant cheating is like actually. And that's just, it was all anecdotal, but it was a guy who like downloaded the cheats and played and just how many matches he bumped into cheaters. I think he said like 60% of the matches he dropped into he found like he saw blatant cheaters like weren't even trying to hide it. Just people clearly using ESP to look through walls. So who knows how many people that he 
that were like putting effort into not telling him or mm-hmm. not letting it be obvious. But I basically sworn off the game. But they played. And I was like, well, I'll watch you guys play. So one of them streamed their screen. And the first match they get in, they're there for a minute and a half. They they spawn in. They walk up on customs to one of the walls. It's over by the storage bay, the storage units, if you've played it. And they look right. They watch it for a little bit. One of them goes, I think I hear someone to the left. He walks around the corner, instantly gets headshot with a pistol. Alex doesn't move. The guy like comes up and he starts talking to him like, hey, what's going on? Like he knows he's there. And Alex doesn't move and doesn't say anything. And the guy like walks away. You don't hear him for a second. And then Alex gets shot in the head and is dead. And I just was like, I didn't say it because I'm not going to rub salt in the wound. But I was like, thank you guys for reminding me why I don't play this fucking game. Yeah. Because they were like, hey, let's go play some Apex. And I was like, I'll pass. And I made the right decision. Yeah, fuck that. And like out, they played like a scav run, and the scav run went fine. Scav runs usually do. It seems like cheaters don't really care that much about fucking with scavs because we don't have anything worth taking. And then uh, the guy we're with, Coyote, played another PMC run, and he was there for about two minutes and then died. Well, yeah, not only do you not have much to take, but you also, from what I understand, you don't run the good ones anyways. You run like the mid. The like middling level shit where like the droop the drops aren't that good. Right? Yeah. So yeah, like, I'm not I'm not even at the good maps anyway with my yeah, scav. I if you did the good scav runs, you probably would run into the cheaters. Yeah, they might they might drop better scav gear at like the high tier facilities, yep. but no. It, so yeah, like scav runs are great. And I like I might hop on and if they if they are doing like a night of Tarkov, I'll probably hop in, do a scav run, and then leave for the PMC runs. And then oh you guys are on scavs again? Okay, I'll hop in, we'll go. Mm-hmm. But I just it was the perfect little reminder of like, yes, Jake, you made the right decision. Don't play that game anymore. <laughs> should and have made that decision before you dropped a hundred dollars. I should have. <laughs> well, I wish I honestly wish I'd seen that video. I did not. We always complain about cheaters and it always I didn't have a lot of perspective. And so it's kind of like when you like when you got into Dark Souls, like all I heard about Tarkov before getting into it on the Internet, listening to them talk and then getting into it myself is like the game is just horrendously difficult and it's just part of it. This is just what life is with Tarkov. It's. This is the Tarkov way. Um, and then come to find out, like, probably not. Like, it it probably isn't just a super steep learning curve. That isn't the problem here, guys. It's not just that I'm still learning to play the game or feel comfortable. It's that, like, no, cheating actually runs horrendously rampant in this game. There's really nothing to prevent it. And they do incredibly little effort to ban people that they catch cheating. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're just running up against people that have an obscenely high advantage against you in the fight. And there's no point in trying. Um, but for a long time, I kept thinking like, well, it's maybe it's it's me. It's probably me. Like we complain about cheaters and we report people that we think are cheating, but it's probably me. It's probably mostly me. I seem to be better. I see people be successful on TikTok and YouTube. It's probably just me. Well, and at least part of it is. And part of it is. But not e- every guy you encounter is a cheater. Yes. But enough of it isn't me. And after watching that video and like just being like, oh, wow, that like it's it's that much. It's that horrendous. Okay, never mind. I'm I'm out. I'm yeah. good. And can you imagine going to a tournament for magic and you knew about half your matches somebody was cheating? Doesn't yeah. mean they're gonna guarantee a win, but someone's cheating. Yeah. The person you're playing against has a coin flip as to whether or not they're cheating. Yep. You probably wouldn't fucking go to that I, I don't want to play that much. I definitely don't want to play fucking if I'm not gonna cheat, I don't wanna play that much. Right. And it's very much and like Tarkov, I think, has this just negative feedback loop of like when the game starts, when a wipe starts, which is when I will probably play again. You get everyone comes back because it's everyone owns the game anyway, like new content, new game. Everyone kind of swarms back in and new people will be brought in. 
And so like we're all playing and it's pretty fun. It's no one's cheating really or enough people aren't cheating because we all, all the new players are back. And then over time, the new players are like, yeah, this game's still kind of annoying or still kind of sucks. They leave. So the number of cheaters goes up and then it's like, oh, you know, hey, I got killed by a cheater a bunch of times. They leave. So the number of cheaters goes up and yeah, then the relative number of cheaters, go the up. relative number of cheaters go up. And then just like by the end of it, like where we are now where the game, we, it's it's months past the wipe. It isn't new anymore. It's not all over TikTok anymore or, or the Internet as being like super popular. So the people that are left are the people that are obscenely good at the game, which good for them. And the people that are probably cheating either because they've always cheated, because why wouldn't you in their in their opinion or. I've had so many cheaters kill me. I'm just leveling the playing field, which I 100% like, trust me, I've thought about it. I get the mentality of like, if all I'm going to do is get killed by cheaters, I should at least play a fair game and the game will get fair when we can see each other through walls. Mm-hmm. But I'm also unwilling to cheat. Not to mention like, what the fuck is the point? I agree. I mean, like the point is cause the game, like again, the point is like, if I could, if I could run a program that just somehow cues, like gets me free empty lobbies of players or like, I would love to play the game. I would run a cheat code that just spawned maps and put me and my buddies in it. And we played against the AI. I just don't want to play against the people, mm-hmm. not the people that are good. Cause most of them are cheating. The game is so much fun. The gameplay is a lot of fun. And it's really tense to even just a building full of scabs, AI scabs to work through and, call which way you're going and you know moving up moving down i'm in a door opening a door did you run i hear bushes it's a lot of fun just people ruin it and i would i would run cheat codes that made it so people couldn't be in my lobby so we can just play the fucking game without them Mm -hmm. but we can't and then i have so i have to run cheat codes to to fucking know where other people are cheating and it's just not worth it i'd rather go play something else like life of or lies of p which i actually bought today should be downloaded by the time i got home Uh, my (laughs) wife got it for me as a gift Nice. She get, she sent me the money for it and told me to buy it. And so I got it downloading. I am super excited to play it. I don't know if we talked about it a couple uh, weeks ago. You and I have talked about it. We watched a, you know, I'll give a you bunch like, of videos just about a little it. three minute on it. Like you'd look it up. It's Pinocchio with Dark Souls with Pinocchio. It's, it's Dark Souls with Pinocchio. And it's kind of a it's kind of a funny setting. It, it literally is Pinocchio and like it's like the uprising of the puppet regime. Mm-hmm. Like puppets, it it looks to be like uh, like old ye oldie Europe, and you know puppets are uh, like everyone has puppets, and there's mechanical puppets are all everywhere that like do everything, and they do all, and there's an uprising, and they're killing people, and I guess there's zombies also. They're come back to life, and like Pinocchio has to fight them, and it looks really interesting. I've seen some really good reviews of it, both from a story perspective and from a gameplay perspective. And as far as gameplay, it is basically Bloodborne meets Sekiro, where there's a lot of like grappling hooks and hooks and tools and stuff like that. And there's also very fast, intense combat. Uh, there is a healing mechanic in terms of combat. Like if you block, you can get health back by hitting him again. But it's also just to simplify down, it's very much Dark Souls. It's not a FromSoft game, but it's very Dark Souls. It's very heavily inspired by Dark Souls. It's very very difficult the guy that i watch a lot of his from soft content he he said that it's probably hard enough that many from soft players won't beat it or won't enjoy beating it which is why i'm even more excited to play it like i obviously i hope i'm one of them that can beat it but i'm really excited so it looks like a real real challenge mm-hmm. so once i get going i'll bring my computer over and you can play it too actually i could just hop onto my steam account and download it if we could play it yeah I don't know how well my computer would run it, but yeah, it may or may not. 
But anyway, I'm really excited to play. I'm really, really excited to start playing Liza P. Um, I love Dark Souls games. I'm always looking for a new Dark Souls game. And this is this like looking at it. Like if I told you that FromSoft made this, you wouldn't be able to tell. You wouldn't know they didn't. It looks except the fucking health bar, which is what you. Yeah, <laughs> the health bar. I have is no idea fucking why. Fucking ugly. Like the game looks like it was made in the last year or two. Like, it, it looks lo- phenomenal. It looks like a beautiful AAA title game from made by a professional developer, except it has like a 2005 health bar. It's just a red fucking stick with it's, a yellow stick. <laughs> just it's ridi- it's hilarious how bad the health bar looks on the screen, but. Mm-hmm. I'm super, super excited to play that. Uh, but yeah, that's basically if it had scalable difficulty, I'd probably play it because like the the set, like the combat I could take or leave. Yeah. But the setting and the story kind of look like well, they'd be up my alley. I'll play it. And if it feels similar to Dark Souls three or Bloodborne, then I'll I I mean, realist like those games are hard enough that I I don't like them enough to struggle through them. You know what I mean? Like they're fine. Go play Resident Evil Four again, huh? Um, I don't. Well, I don't know what I'm gonna play, but well, realistically, in 15 days, I'll be playing the Metal Gear Solid One, Two, and Three. Uh, the Master Collection comes out on the 14th. Are they remaking them or just? They're just releasing them for place on the PlayStation Network, PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. So I'll be playing through those again. Uh, oh, so I, I can play. I can play Metal Gear Solid One at least on like the PS5 yeah, on the big TV. Yep. Uh, and it's upscaled to like 1080p. I wonder if they'll re. I wonder if the controls will. I wonder how the controls will feel. The it'll probably be. I they're not going to adjust the controls. At all. I don't think they're going to change them. I wonder if they'll like if they'll feel good and tight, mm-hmm. or if they'll feel loose. Like sometimes those ports, if you don't feel good, um, like realistically, the like the first one's probably just going to be. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the second and third one. The controls are a lot different. You can go into first person mode and shoot, uh, which is a huge change for like most people. If you just play Metal Gear Solid one, like mm-hmm. the it, the top down gameplay where like you can shoot off screen and like you're aiming at like north, south, east, west, mm-hmm. like that kind of shit throws people off because it's just n- like not any other game in, mo- in the modern era plays like it. Metal Gear Solid two and three are will feel very modern. Gotcha. So I, I, the order I like them is Metal Gear Solid one, then three, then two. But like, dude, Metal Gear Solid three is so fun because it's a stealth game that you have no requirement to play stealth at all. I nice. fucking went around shirtless with a skull mask and the fucking M60 and just murdered every fucking enemy on every map. <laughs> it was so much fun. I'm like, I'm Rambo. Fuck you. <laughs> just <laughs> That is how I like to play stealth games. Yeah. Um, I rarely play stealth games actually as stealth. I'll play them for stealth as a stealth game for like an hour, and then I'll be like, "Okay, this is stupid. I just want to shoot people. Mm-hmm. This is taking too long." The uh, the first one you really can't do that. Um, the second one you can to some degree, uh, but one of the things you have to watch out for is like if you kill somebody, you have to hide their corpse because mm-hmm. if another guy finds it, it alerts them. Yep, and like they will just eventually kill you. Uh, but the third one, it's set in like the jungle setting. So it's not like a like the first one takes place, it starts out on a barge and then like it goes to this like high tech facility thing. Mm-hmm. The third one is like takes place in like the 50s or 60s in a jungle. And like that's like you actually use like camouflage and shit like that. Um, it's got a lot of cool mechanics in it. It's really, really popular. Is it the one where you have to fight the sniper? Well, they all 
Well, one of them has a, it was a fun, you could, you have to fight a sniper. It might have been one of the later ones, but you can, you can beat the sniper by not playing for a week. Oh yes, that's the one. You he uh, he's super old. Yeah, and you can just adjust your clock on yeah. your game time, and he'll just die from old age. Yep. Yeah. Or if you like, I if you play, if you fail, well, what happened? I guess originally was like people would play it, they would lose a bunch, and they would like take a week off, and they come back, and he'd be dead. Yep. He just be he would he would have died in game because he's so old. Yeah. The uh, the Metal Gear series is known for starting with solid is known for that. Yeah. Type of like the boss Cheeky. fights have like a weird mechanic. Stuff like that you can do. Which is cool. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's wrap this up. Um, do you know who's not cheeky and who is, but who is really cool? And does occasionally have weird mechanics. And does occasionally have weird mechanics. It's our patrons. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Uh, hop in there. Become a patron like Emperor and Asphalt who put our stuff on Reddit every single week. Uh, like, which is actually probably going to change here soon. <laughs> we'll see. Um, Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, uh, Ted, Mumble Down, Rob M, Limit of Questions, Derek T, His Forest, and Jasper. Thank you all for being a part of the Patreon, for contributing in a real way to help keep the podcast going. Um, hop on over to the Patreon. We do have every week we have exclusive content for the patrons. We've got exclusive merch for the patrons. You get access to the private Discord. All kinds of fun stuff. But, uh, Matt, was there anything else you want to talk about before we get into our Ask Us Anything? We've got about four or five or six questions we're going to go through. And then we have the big announcement for our Cantrip Cartel episode 100. No, I think we're good to go. All right. Well, um, I will tell you what, since we're not going to do magic this week, I will tell you that Legacy um, looks the same. Looks like. I'm just going to look at the challenge real quick. Uh, metagame summary. Other was 35% with Grixis Tempo being 12 and a half. I'm not even looking through this at all. But like, let's look at like most played cards. Force of Will, Brainstorm, Lotus Petal, Ponder, Swords of Plowshares. Bowmasters, I think, was down to like 30%. Yep. Orcus down Bow- to 30%. Bowmasters, your top creature at 31%. Uh, top spells is pretty much the same. Uh, modern, Matt did a little bit of digging on Modern this week, and it was pretty Rakdos scam oriented. We've got, so for the Sunday challenge, 12.5% was Rakdos scam. Uh, if you go to your top creatures, Orcus Bowmasters is 40, 44% of the decks, and then Fury is 34%. Grief is 20% of the decks. Uh, your most played cards. The One Ring, Orcish Bowmasters, that's kind of funny. Leyline Binding, Fury, and Chalice of the Void. Uh, put it into perspective, the challenge on for Modern for Friday, uh, Rakdos Scam was 31% of the top 32, and on Saturday it was 18. And just looking at the top eight list here, the only thing that would be interesting enough to, to talk about would be there's an Is It Artifacts deck from Legacy on Sunday, and it's uh, Emery and... A PO deck with Force of Will, Fire Ice. It's like a weird tempo artifacts deck. Uh, is it eight key? Let me take a look here. Nope. We've got two keys, Grim Monoliths, the one ring. So it's a weird kind of oh, mix. It's a of paradoxical outcome deck. A P- yeah. yeah, PO. Paradoxical, well, paradoxical outcome with Paradox Engine. So there's that's kind of interesting. But we're not talking about magic that much this week. Instead, we're here for a couple questions and a big announcement. Alrighty, Matt. So, um, won't be a super long episode this week, probably. We'll see how in-depth we get into these questions. We've got a couple interesting ones. Uh, we're going to do the patron questions first. Uh, I'm going to start off with the first questions we received. Emperor from our Discord sent us two questions. The first one is, what is your all-time favorite constructed deck from any 60-card format? So, when you want me to answer first? Yes, I'll give it to you first. Okay, I'll do cool. the next one first. We'll see. We'll, sure. we'll, we'll bounce. 
Um, I probably have two. The the first one is obvious. Uh, be Legacy Elves. Um, probably Legacy Elves with Deathrite Shaman legal before it was banned. Uh, it was a hell of a lot of fun to play. It had a ton of game and like it was really solid against the meta. Like it got to abuse Deathrite Shaman like in a way that no other deck got to. Um, the glimpse chains were nuts. Like that's kind of the big like the big duh. Uh-huh. Like everybody here knows I play elves. Um but not like you've played a lot of elf decks yeah, in a played, lot of formats. I prefer legacy elves over modern elves or pioneer elves. Mm -hmm. Um you just you basically do the same thing. You just do it better than the other ones. Mm -hmm. Like you you get a bunch of fucking elves out and swing. Yep. And you get all you have all the tools available. You have all the tools. I get to play Guy's Cradle, which is probably individually my favorite card, like mm -hmm. up there. Um I also think it's just if you look at it. It's the one that sees play but isn't broken. Mm -hmm. Like Tolarian Academy is clearly broken. Yep. Um, Guy's Cradle actually does have severe downsides. You have to commit a lot to the board. You have to, like, it doesn't produce mana yeah. if you don't you have any creatures. And you have to commit a lot to the board in a way that's very easily disrupted. Like, Correct. And that's the big thing. It's it's hard to, on a mass, remove artifacts. And a lot of decks don't have, they're not planning on removing artifacts any given time. So that's why Tolarian Academy is so powerful. Whereas, like removing creatures is pretty standard. You're pretty prepared to manage a board state of creatures. And there's a big distinction. There's a big difference with the, I mean, the biggest difference is one taps for blue. So if you're playing Tolarian Academy, you have at minimum counter spells, force yeah. of will, something like that to protect your board. Yep. Whereas green, you just kind of have to like go out on a limb and hope it works out right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got some counterplay, but most of the counterplay sucks. Like nobody's running heroic intervention and fucking legacy. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and then the other one, I loved, this is kind of a two-parter, I loved playing Opposition Static Orb and then um, Gazi Glare, which, so uh, back in the Ravnica standard, uh -huh. uh, it was Ravnica, Kamigawa Ravnica standard, mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, there's a card called, well, the first one, the first version of it was the card called Opposition, four mana enchantment. Tap a creature you control, tap a artifact, land, or creature an opponent controls. Yep. Or any, the, not that opponent controls, any artifact, creature, land, right? You do that with static orb, so you get to untap and they don't. Yep. Flash forward to Ravnica, and they print uh, Glare of Subduel, which is a four mana enchantment. You can tap an untapped creature you control to tap target artifact or creature. Um, and people, that was a very real deck. It used like a... Uh, it had some of the Kamigawa dragons, like it won a pro tour. Mm -hmm. um, it had some Kamigawa dragons in it as like your finishers. And like, I think it used Yosei. So like it even goes along with the plan. Like he dies and you tap five things they control. Gotcha. And then you can just kind of keep them tapped down. Yeah. But it took advantage of uh, Vichugazi city tree. So you can make a, you could tap, pay four and tap it to make a one, one. And it just generated a bunch of tokens and whatnot to tap down the board and then beat him to death with a dragon. I love that style of effect. Mm -hmm. In general, I like go wide decks. Yep. That's, I mean, they're right there with the, like the elves, the tokens, the that kind of shit. Um, and I guess if I had to pick one more, it'd be like uh, Blue Green Madness. Like I fucking love playing with Wild Mongrel and Arrogant Worm. Um, I've tried to, like there's just no competitive place to play it outside mm -hmm. of the standard. Uh, but I did have a battle box where I had like 20-ish roughly the same power level decks in uh, blue green madness was one of them. Mm -hmm. Basically I tried to like encapsulate decks from different eras and then like tone them up or down. So they 
have game against each other. Yeah. So like I had a astral slide in there from like the onslaught block, blue green madness. Uh, there was a version of elves in there, but it used like priest of Titanian overrun instead of like mm -hmm. natural order and crater hoof and guys cradle and shit like that. Um, that was a, f a ton of fun to play. But like those, I know, you know, that's more than one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a ton. I played fucking. And if I had to pick EDH, my Marin deck. Of course, yeah. Yeah. But your uh, uh, hyper value, just keep flipping cards yep, in and out of the graveyard. Just fucking grinding like a motherfucker. Yep. So that would be my top five. I'll give gotcha. you a few bonuses. <laughs> uh, so for me, I would probably, I, I could probably narrow it down to two. And the second one is kind of more of an idea than even a deck. But I've, I've, it's got like going on my recent experience. So for me, the list is going to be just more refined or, or shorter anyway. So I've only been playing magic for like six years, six, seven years, something like that. <clears throat> I played in high school a little bit, but that doesn't really count. Like I didn't know standard was a thing. Probably so, didn't like, even know formats were a thing. I didn't No, Like I would occasionally run against people in our group that like actually played decks and strategies and would get curb stomped and get mad because we were playing two different games and that's not their fault. Like they're here, they're building decks that they either, Either they're good at building decks or they were getting they were net decking and getting good strategies. And I just have cards that I've traded for and opened. Um, but I started playing a decent bit with Matt, a lot of EDH, and then eventually got into some competitive style magic. But nothing ever serious, you know, for someone who owned a legacy deck. Never anything crazy serious. But if we if, to go with your commander, probably my favorite deck that um, that I ever play Oddly enough, probably wouldn't be Tatiova. Tatiova is, I do have a lot of fun playing Tatiova because I do have a big Timmy in me that's just like, I just love untapping and being like, I have 18 mana. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do with it? Um, but probably my favorite deck to play, as far as EDH is concerned, is Muldrotha. That makes me happy. I love playing Muldrotha so much. It is, so it's, it's definitely more of a mid-tier power deck to me. Um, and I play it probably the most when I'm playing with friends because... It's also just easy to play suboptimally and just like if I'm playing with some people and we're not playing super serious, I just don't chase down. I don't I don't eke out the most value possible. I don't tutor for the best cards. I just have fun. And it is so much fun to play because Muldrotha just fundamentally changes how you play magic. It changes how you view the graveyard and like and what what, what you do with cards. And I have so much fun just getting tons of value out of the graveyard every turn looking at my, you know, what can I do from the graveyard? How can I, what can I play from it? How can I get things in there and make it and get use from them? And I really just love, like if I'm sitting down to play commander and like, if I have any excuse to play Muldrotha, I probably will. I just love playing my Muldrotha commander deck. And it's, it, it's, it's a relatively powerful deck. It has a couple infinite combos in them. Each infinite combo requires either like three pieces and some luck or four pieces. And it goes infinite like multiple multiple pieces it's obviously super super weak to disruption um you kill moldrotha the deck doesn't do anything it should cost six uh, i've tuned it down it only runs like three or four counter spells across the whole thing so like i can't i'm not controlling the game i might be able to protect my stuff once or twice so it's in my opinion a relatively weak deck that just gets an obscene amounts of value by playing stuff out of the graveyard that does crazy like county heart expedition to get a bunch of ramp or um, what's one of the like uh, metamorphic alteration where you, it's like it's like one in a blue for an enchantment and you get to I think you get to play it and you can make whatever it enchants a copy of whatever creature you want mm -hmm. and so you get to keep slapping it on stuff and if they kill it and yeah, you, you just play it again and I love playing that deck so much the other deck which is probably a little more fun for me to play because I'm a very competitive person I like playing competitive magic 
it is better defined as just any format where blue white control is really good. And so like the most fun I've had recently would be playing it in either the arena event they had a little while ago where it was basically everything historic everything historic was legal uh, mm-hmm. like including channel. Yeah. And there was a really good blue white control deck in there that just had memory lapse and counter spell and uh there's remand swords to plowshares swords to plowshares uh it had the white remand reprieve yep and it was just a blue white control deck that won with like five to five mana fairy and maybe one other thing but like it just put the game on lock and just answered everything and then more consistently that i play a lot right now and this is where arena is where i play most of my magic i'll play three or four games a day or if i want to fuck around i'll play on arena and uh historic or not historic Explorer has a blue white control deck that's relatively close to Pioneer blue white control, mm-hmm. and I fucking love playing it. I just and it, I'm not going to say that my favorite deck is Pioneer blue white control, but where blue white control is good, so like in Legacy, it's not that good, not currently, not currently. But like if blue white control was good in Legacy, where every spell wasn't free and every threat didn't win the game, which is basically how like Pioneer is essentially, like you can play a blue white control where. I'm planning on, for the most part, answering your shit one for one, and I have I do have a bunch of board wipes. So, like, in that deck, I run, I think, seven board wipes. I think I run four Doom Scars, which is a five-mana board wipe, but you can foretell it for two, and then it costs three. Um, turn two, foretell, turn three, board wipe. Yep, against a really aggressive deck. Um, and it runs Farewell, which is a six-mana hit up to everything, creatures, enchant- or creatures, enchantments, artifacts, and graveyards. And then you get your card advantage in that one through like uh, the four mana. Oh, it's what is it? It's two. It's two blue, blue. Look at the top four, and then you can you can cast from the graveyard to look but at the top seven. Memory, memory deluge. Memory deluge is your like your main card advantage spell. Five fairy, uh, wandering emperor. But like, so like to, to narrow it down to like a specific deck, like that's why I had the most fun playing. Like when I'm literally at home and I'm like, I kind of want to play some magic for half an hour, or whatever, twenty minutes. I will go play that. I'll play best of three. And I'll usually go play a lot of control mirrors or control V mid range or whatever. And I just love playing the Explorer blue white control or Pioneer blue white control. I I love playing a blue white control deck. If I could play it in modern, I would. It exists in modern. I just I don't I can't afford it. Um, it's not well, the most popular. Yeah, I was right going to say exists in modern is probably different than yeah. You'd have a good time playing it in modern. And that, that's the problem. So like the reason I don't play it in modern is like again every threat ends the game. And so, like, it's really hard to enjoy playing a control deck when, one, I'm not I'm not the best. And so, like, I'm going to let threats slip through or I'm going to misevaluate some threats. And it's just the game's over. You do it one time wrong and the game's over. Um, and Legacy is even worse where, like, just you, you fuck up one time and the game's instantly over. Which, in fairness, is a part of one of the reasons people like the game or like those formats is they really reward very tight gameplay and very good expertise. But... Um, they're also just like the decks just aren't that good to begin with. You have to play them exceptionally well to perform exceptionally well. Whereas in like Pioneer or on Arena or some of the newer formats, while the control decks are worse, the stakes are a little lower too. That's you, you don't have to be as perfect to have a good control game. And I just I fucking love playing blue white control. Like I look forward to it all the time. Like if I'm I'll fuck around on Arena. Because I, I I hop on every day to do my dailies, get my free tokens. I'm a, I'm a, exclusively a free to play player, and nothing makes me happier than when I look at my stuff and it's like 
cast 30 blue or white spells. <laughs> and I'm like, fucking sweet. Got this. I can just go play a couple best of threes and explore and get this taken care of and just like. And you I, don't even have to win. I just love shutting the game down and just getting, you know, getting a, a, a the right time counter spell, getting getting the right threats assessed. Like, let the board build up, wipe it all away, let your opponent overcommit, get a couple good cheeky target removals in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. So it's not as much a specific deck, but definitely a style of deck. I love, I love the simple mana base of Blue Eye Control. Um, I don't as much like playing Teamir Control or Jeskai Control or Bant Control. While those decks are fun to play, especially in Legacy, where you get one pretty free mana bases and two really good threats like Uro or stuff like that. Um, I love the simplicity of a Blue Eye Control deck and like a nice simple mana base, nice consistent mana. Even in Legacy, I do love playing Blue White Control. Like, I love playing uh, Counterbalance. I love playing uh, Back to Basics. I love playing cards that, like, punish you for being very greedy in your mana base and reward me for running. Like, I like being rewarded for running Basics and being able just to fetch Island Island Planes and I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely my favorite way to play Magic. And my favorite deck is... Any playable blue-white control deck in your format, that's what I really want to play. That's like if I if I'm coming with you to an event and you have blue-white control in some capacity and it's not tier six, I'm down. Let's go for it. I want to I want to fucking put this game on lock. Nothing for me is more fun than getting to the game. I mean, like this is every blue mage, but like I to get where you can be like plus to fairy, uh, draw a card, like cycle this land, draw another card, pass, untap my two lands. Go ahead. Yeah. I've got six cards in hand and I've got seven lands. Good luck. Yeah, figure it out, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> the uh it's too bad you missed uh miracle like actual yeah. like top miracles. Yeah, I got in. It sounds like between 6 months and a year after top miracles was really popular and um you would I fucking love to play. I that. mean, I literally spent probably 6 months or a year trying to make top miracles, well, no but, top. Yeah. Like blue white miracles work on mtgo and trying to get good at it and figure it out and make it playable like um like uh force of phil like force of phil lives and breathes miracles and he's still he makes it work really well he's been playing it a long time he's very very good at it i never got to that point i never got good enough at it or at magic in general to be good but he's he's a great example of someone who takes a tier a tier four and a half deck and makes it a tier three deck probably or maybe tier two and a half deck Mm -hmm. But I would have very much loved to play. And, and I love control mirrors, too. I love it. Like, nothing makes me happier than when I'm on Arena and I open up, because I like going first, with, like, Hallowed Fountain, and they open up with Hallowed Fountain. And I'm like, fucking sweet. This is going to be a fun game. We're just gonna, we can just skip the next three turns. All it's going to be is land go. We're going to get to four or five mana each, and then it's all about threat assessment and what cards do, who blinks first, what cards get countered, what's worth fighting over, when do you commit... Oh, I love a good control mirror. That's part of the reason why I loved I loved the Oko era. It wasn't a quite a control mirror, but I loved Oko mirrors. Oko mirrors were very much like who blinks first, who can, who who has the answers, who's ready, who can take care of it, and just like I loved. Well, facing there were off. plenty of them. Yes, that's, <laughs> and that's why I loved playing. I yeah. um, I played an Oko deck. I played a. I, so I played, in my opinion, the best version of a deck, the best kind of deck you can play in Legacy, which was a combo deck slash control deck or a combo deck with a backup plan, which we've talked about. So I played um, Reanimator. Uh, oh, sorry, not Reanimator. Um, World Gorger Dragon. World Gorger Reanimator. World Gorger Dragon deck that 
pivoted into a Sultai Oko deck. And so you got to have the fun of like just comboing off in game one. And then you got to spend the next couple games just having an Oko, uh, sometimes an Oko grind fest because it happens all the time. You'd go up in game one against Oko, win or lose. I'm not going to keep the combo in against an Oko control deck. And then it's all about Oko v. Oko and who has the answers, who who goes first, not necessarily in turn order, but like who goes for it first, who tries to make it, who can stick it, who who planned correctly and can stick it and protect it. I love playing control mirrors. And for that reason, I love playing control. So hand me your blue-white control deck in whatever format, and I'll be a very happy camper. Next up, we did get two from Emperor, um, and I do I do greatly appreciate that he sent them as uh, first A, second two. Yep. I love it. Thank you very much. I noticed. Uh, I'll go first on this one. You are given unlimited control over Legacy to make the format how you specifically want it. What does your ideal Legacy look like? This one's going to be kind of a cheat because we talked about this, actually, and we are pretty much in agreement. Um, the ideal legacy exists in in essence. It just isn't sanctioned and it isn't popular. It's called heritage. I remember we talked about it when it kind of came into existence. I believe it came into existence around either Modern Horizons 1 or Modern Horizons 2 is when the community formed around it. And um, if you ever heard of, of heritage, think of something like pre-modern. Or like 93 or uh, is it 9394? 9394. There's also old school. I think it's more affectionately called old school, old school or um, these kind of or uh, what's the uh, Penny Dreadful would be another one. These formats that are kind of just homegrown. uh, It's a group of people sometimes up into the thousands like on Discord that play them. And that's primarily where they get played. It's a it's a specific rule set, a specific legality set. And it's not sanctioned by Watsi at all. They don't I don't think they're upset. It exists. But they don't talk about it. They don't care to print cards for it. They don't care it exists at all. Heritage, in its essence, is legacy. The same ban list, the same legality as legacy, except it's only legal in legacy if it went through standard. And Matt and I agree. We agreed then, and we agree now, that the vast majority of our complaints on legacy and the problems with legacy stem from non-standard format or non-standard sets and you can get rid of them easily by just banning all of them or making them not even legal. Yeah. So like uh, Modern Horizons, none of those cards are legal. Modern Horizons 2. None of the recent Commander shit is legal. Um, none of the Lord of the Rings are legal. All of that shit gets immediately taken out. And so like, let me... Well, one of the... While you're searching, one of the big advantages to this versus something like pre-modern where like there are some formats where it's just like, well, we don't want to use anything... Like, I think one of them is like pre-war the Spark Legacy. Yes, that, that exists like, too. Or I, I think it's pre-war modern, but, but, but yes, it's whatever. pre-war the Spark. The problem is they're effectively dead. Dead? Like, it, it, they're, they're never going to get new cards. Yes, they don't grow anymore. And Heritage solves that problem by keeping out 90% of the nonsense. Yeah. You'll still get occasional nonsense. For example, Oko yep. well, is yeah, a like, standard legal like card. Like the way Legacy used to exist when I was first getting into it was like over the course of a year, you'd get one or two cards added to it. Or or two or like one or two good cards and then two or three like tangent like, eh, this may be playable Full cards. Full sideboard card for yeah. one deck or something you'd like that. You'd get a couple of cards a year. The uh, Legacy, like the core of Legacy didn't change a ton and didn't change often. And that was like what it's supposed to be. If you're going to, the decks cost $2,000 minimum. They like, need to not change that often. I don't want there to be like every six months, a brand new, like $300 set of cards I need to be buying. Or the face of legacy has changed again with this new deck that got created 
for the third time in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. So going to the last uh, legacy challenge, hypothetically, we look at the top cards here. You lose only a couple. So like, like so this week, you'd lose things like Force of Negation. You'd lose uh, Orcus Bowmasters. Um, top creatures, you'll probably lose. A, you'll probably lose a lot more creatures. So like Merktide Regent's gone. Dragon Rage Channeler is gone. Um, Bowmaster's or, gone. Solitude's gone. Yeah, like you lose four or five of the top creatures. Like Merktide DRC. Yep. You're and I don't like you're not neutering any of these decks. Now you do neuter some decks. So like uh, Initiative probably doesn't exist anymore. Yep. Like Red White Initiative is That's gone. Just not a deck. Like there's some decks that just disappear, and there's going to be some collateral damage. So most of the complaints we have about Legacy are cards that have been introduced in the last probably two years maybe two and a half years and heritage removes the vast majority of those cards from the format that we complained about. You are going to lose some other things like true name. True name nemesis is gone. Um, there's probably some other things I'm not thinking of, but like, you know, anything that was printed in a commander set six years ago and is a legacy mainstay in your deck is now not legal because it didn't go through standard. If it didn't go through standard, it's not legal in legacy. With there being some collateral damage, that does take care of the vast majority of problems we have we we deal with. And it deals with, in my opinion, the vast majority of the power creep problems you're going to experience. Because while standard does go through some power creep here and there, and it ebbs and flows. So like the Oko era is a great example where power creep went fucking insane in standard. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, they're printing legacy power level cards directly into standard. Yes. And so like there's obviously going to be sequences where you're going to get some pretty powerful shit out of standard going into legacy. But for the most part, with standard being what caps the power level of the cards coming out, and that standard can usually be kept at a relatively low power level thanks to its rotation, and every, well, now three years, half the format disappears, and you can kind of keep cards weak because the powerful cards will rotate out. You don't have the incentive to print these hyper-powerful cards like Dragon Rage Channeler, like Merktide Regent, like Force Negation to force their way into these older sets that the modern horizons sets do or these uh the commander cards that like could just be mistakes or are printed with older formats in mind like there's no need to power power crank them up to make them playable in modern or legacy so they don't and so you're not going to have these obscene power creeps coming into the format as often side note i would also say the same thing for modern yeah, yeah, like I, yeah, like I, I just don't fa- talk about it that much, but like, yeah, hundred percent. So like, I'm in love. Like Pioneer right now, that's how Pioneer is. That's one of the reasons why I love Pioneer so much. Pioneer is still a true to standard format. If it didn't go through standard, it's not legal in Pioneer. And there's definitely some problems in Pioneer. I'd love to see some changes be made. Like Pioneer still kind of still owned, a little top heavy by Rakdos and Mono Green. And like, I would love to see you could remove a couple power creep mistakes from there like fable the mirror breaker or sheldred uh karn um, or nick i wouldn't remove nick those i think nick those should stay but you yeah, can remove green Ka- ramp being a deck is like, a problem you remove karn which i think most people can agree objectively is probably a mistake in card design you can remove uh, fable the mirror breaker which is probably a mistake in card design um sheldred which is pro- possibly a mistake in card design and like those formats probably get a get way fucking better they're a couple power crep cards away from being a phenomenal format. In my opinion, they're already a pretty good format. It is. Pioneer is a pretty good format. And a big part of that is because everything in it went through standard. There are some things, and there are, you know, combo decks and whatnot that got banned out and are still legal. And But 
having standard be your cap on power level helps keep your format from losing its goddamn mind. Yeah, the so the way I look at it is like the stuff that makes it into legacy and modern, if it goes through standard, like let's just for argument's sake apply like an arbitrary number system to this, right? Where your average standard deck is somewhere between a three and a five and your average legacy deck is somewhere between an eight and a 10. Yeah. Or maybe if you want to get technical, like if we're just going to exclude vintage between an eight and a 10, right? That's yeah. the range we're on every now and then they have an oversight yep, yeah. or they ignore an interaction and you get an eight. Yeah. And there, and, and there, that's the card that goes into legacy. And there are cards in standard that are a five, but in legacy are a 10 because yeah, well, because of a weird interaction. Turns out this two mana card that sucks dick. I mean, well, a great example would be like the uh, the new Ozolith in standard, the mm-hmm. one in the green Ozolith. It doesn't really do much in standard. That was a standard card, wasn't it? I think it was. I'm pretty sure. Sh- yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. It's one in the green. It's a hardened scales for one in the green. Mm-hmm. It's not that great in standard. It was okay. It's really good in modern with the, in the hardened scales deck. Like there's an interaction that bumps that card from a standard power level three. To a modern power level six or seven. Yeah, all of a sudden it's playable. And that that's going to happen. You're going to have these cards that, yeah, they printed a card in standard. But they didn't plan on interacting with a card from fourth edition very well. And it turns out they go crazy. Yeah. And the to me, the beauty of that is like you get a more natural yeah. growth and change in a format rather than going, well, if we want legacy players to buy our cards, yep. they have to be an eight. Well, uh, here, what here. happens, real quick, let me finish, is so you you print a bunch of eights. Well, now your next set needs to be at least an eight or higher yep. because I'm already playing with what you thought were eights a year ago. Uh-huh. So they need to be at least as good mm-hmm. for me to want them in my deck. Yep. But they probably need to be better. So now we need to print a bunch of nines for Legacy. And then you just get this natural power creep where it's just like, we all thought modern horizons one was super strong and then they came out with modern horizons two what yep. the hell do you think is going to come out in modern horizons yep. three yeah, and, it's and they've explicitly said that they are designing with power creep in mind because like people are like well i can't fucking use my ragavans now because of bowmaster don't worry we'll just print a tutu yeah. ragavan effectively like, like word for word like they're not they like they're sorry that they they've power crept your two your x1s out they'll print x2s in the future right that's you don't get that because of the nature of standard because it's a moderate power level low to moderate power level and it has the natural check of rotation an actual rotation not an artificial rotation which is what is happening in legacy and modern mm-hmm. to like check power creep so it's not necessary yeah so we're talking about you know a, a, a card that like hey they printed this card that is okay in standard but it interacts really well the perfect example wither bloom, wither bloom apprentice and chain up smog yep Wither Bloom Apprentice, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery, you drain your opponent for one. And then Smokestack is a way to basically cast a spell infinitely. Great example of like, and that, you know, it's the the, the combo still exists. And you still see it in Legacy sometimes in leagues and whatnot, where if you can make these two happen, you win the game. Yep. And Wither Bloom Apprentice is a solid two or three in Strixhaven when it came out. But you pair it with this card that was printed in Odyssey, I think. Which was also a very bad card. Yes, which is also a terrible card. Like you pair them together, the games like you have those interactions and those are fine. The other thing that's interesting about that, in my opinion, is onslaught. By the way, huh? Onslaught. That's onslaught. Yeah. Thank you. Um, there is a huge difference between 
um, the community being able to f- identify and work with this really cool synergy and, and, and a power based around a synergy between these two cards and Watsy just giving you more power and toughness and more keywords for less mana. Like, that, that, that's all they're doing. You look at something like Merktide Regent. Merktide Regent is just more keywords, more text, more everything for less mana. Mm-hmm. It's effectively a two mana, eight, eight or six, six or five, five with flying. Like it's just obscenely powerful. Things like DRC, a one mana one one with a with a mountain of text that basically gives all of your cantrips surveil and becomes a three three with flying until the at, at the end of it. So I would love to see them go back to it has to go through standard. Standard is the power check on the rest of the formats. The rest of the formats only accelerate and change as fast as standard can. And they've made it pretty clear that they want standard to be a relatively slow or a relatively low power uh, new player friendly way to play magic. And that's how fast modern and legacy should advance in terms of like once in a while they make a mistake. And once in a while there's a weird interaction they don't test for because they don't look at every standard card in regards to every magic card ever printed. But it's once in a while, not. Yeah. And every now and then they once in a while just need to sell some fucking packs and print a good card. Yes. And like it's and like you're going to get not, Ocos. Like it's Yeah, you're going to get you're going to get in every set there's usually a couple pushed cards yeah. because they have to fucking sell it. But like that is way reduced because again, power is all relative in Magic. Yep. So you don't have it doesn't have to always be ticking up to always beat the previous ones mm-hmm. because the previous ones rotate out. Yeah. And that's that's so you what get that keep, reset. That's and, what we need. So, that's what I is there any so that's 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 what I that's why that's what the rule I would implement how I would change legacy if I could if Watsi called me tomorrow and said do what you want with legacy for six months and we'll see how it works out that's what I would do yeah the the only addition I would make um obviously that time stipulation you just said is uh gonna fuck with us a little bit but um I would also if you're going to do that I would completely reevaluate the ban list um yeah, that's a good idea there's modern there's and legacy. A, Hmm. Modern and legacy. If you were going to, if they were both going to become heritage style formats, yes. Uh, I don't know if I would do it immediately or not because it'd be a huge shakeup anyways. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, if you're going to do a huge shakeup, you might as well just shake it all up. Yeah. Like, cool, your format's just different now. If you're going to destroy what is current legacy, yeah. let's do it once instead of twice. Yep, just fucking drop the bomb, change it, and then I would approach it the same way Watsi approached Pioneer when they first introduced it, where they're like, look, for the first like six months to a year, uh, anything that pops its head up that's just obscene, we're just going to ban. Yeah. Now, going into Legacy, you're going to have stuff where it's just auto-banned, like the Power 9, uh, yep. the anti-cards, shit like that. Yep. Like, you get all that out of the way. Any then, dexterity cards that would have made it in. Yeah, anything like that. Um, There's a few cards what I think that I personally think are like auto-bans, uh, like Yawgmoth's Will or Underworld Breach. I think those are pretty fucking plain to see. Like, that's not going to end well. The stuff that over the past couple years has just shit all over the formats, you could... Pr- that's Like Oko, th- Ragavan. Luris would Luris. be a big one. Luris probably just needs to go. Although, I, I'd be curious... See, I would disagree with, the with that one. Change. We never saw well, Luris. I did say probably. But, I mean, Luris is strong enough that they had to fucking actually ban it from Vintage. Yep. Like, Luris is an incredibly strong card. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what happens, but realistically, it's probably going to get banned. Yep. Um, but the the argument could very easily be yeah. made. We're Luris throwing is a, well, like Underworld Breach is a for sure no. Luris yeah. is a maybe. Yes. So, um, stuff like that. Um, I, it's it's hard for me to say. I don't know whether or not you'd want to automatically keep the cantrips. That might be a bridge too far for some people. 
I don't know. Um, realistically, I would probably go ahead and keep them, but like we, we know the cantrips were dominant. This is just a matter of taste in my opinion, Yeah. whether you want legacy to be a cantrip format or not, because like you don't have to have been playing legacy that long before you go back in time. And like really the only couple, there was only a couple of these kind of nonsense cards, like true name nemesis or like the counter spell with storm. I can't think of my, uh, the one mana one that counters a storm, fluster storm, fluster storm, like those Oddly were supplemental enough, products. I believe also, yeah, like no fluster storm anymore either. I think didn't they put it through standard recently? No, or did they just modern horizons it? I know it's legal and modern now. Yeah, I believe they. I believe they put it. In, I did they put it in a modern horizons? Um, I, I'll check. I'm not super sure, but I'm almost positive fluster storm only ever was out and wasn't in or was not in a standard set. Okay, and that's fine. But like, yeah, that's probably gonna go. Um. So you're gonna lose you're gonna lose a couple, but like it wasn't that long ago before legacy was like ninety-nine percent yeah. non-supplemental sets anyways. And we can see how um how it looked, and it was still a very cantrip heavy format. So like if you like that, and realistically, I probably would leave it. But like the uh, the flip yeah. side would be, well, that would be the time to fucking get yeah. rid of them too. So just for so uh it was a command it was an a commander set, I don't know which one. It was in uh iconic masters and then it was in modern horizons yeah that's yeah i just remembered it got into modern somehow yep. and i couldn't remember how yeah like that's like that would be no longer legal in and and like that like i don't know if that's the only thing holding down storm it's not so it's like, but like yeah things are going to change a lot yep like i'm we are very much in favor like whatever the answer to the question was going to be it was going to be in some form of nuke this format and let's start again and the way we're choosing nuke the format is like by probably banning or making unlegal like 30 cards that see play at least mm -hmm. like allosaurus shepherd out of your decks um i don't know what i'm losing out of my force negation out of my deck Yep, force negation goes yeah like there's a lot of things like i'm not trying to i'm not trying to put blue white control back on top here because i'm gonna lose some good shit yeah but and you, you're gonna lose some you good get to shit play top miracles but i get to play yeah if we if we unban top i get to play top miracles again i would to be perfectly honest i would unban it like is is part of that like clean slate I want to see where Top Miracles is actually at. Mm -hmm. It may need to get banned in the future. Yep. It may be the problem child. Same thing with like I Deathrite Shaman, like like a lot of these what's, cards. What's kind of funny is like wasn't one of the big reasons Top Miracles got banned was because of time restrictions. There was there were several reasons, and time restrictions is kind of one of them. Because so, like playing Top Miracles on or on MTGO, which is where the which is where almost all legacies played these days, guys. Let's be honest, like. That's fine. You can use all the time you want to play Top Miracles because you have a timer. Right. You're on a chess clock. Yep. Um, well, if I remember correctly, back in the day, there were still actual tournaments being played. Like yeah. uh, Star City Games had oh, like a, a legacy series. Yep. Uh, every now and then it would get a Grand Prix, um, stuff like that. So like legitimate other outside of Eternal Weekend, people were playing paper legacy, yes. um, which should kind of tell you something, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Like... Hey, that format that we all love that you and I personally get, we actually catch a ton of heat because we're constantly criticizing it. Yeah. Well, it used to actually get fucking played in paper. A lot. Yep. It used to fire tournaments. Yep. Like local tournaments in small, relatively small towns. I Once remember. a month, we'd be fucking having like 40 to 60 people yep. show up to play Legacy. I remember I was relatively single. So I love the Legacy Pit. It's a phenomenal group of guys that plays Legacy twice a week on Twitch. I love them. I was relatively I've always been relatively cynical about the state of legacy and it's it's kind of slow decay. And the Legacy Pit hosted their first open and it like immediately sold out. It was super popular. And 
they were quick to politely throw it in my face that like, oh, you know, Legacy is in a bit of a trash heap, huh? Well, we sold out right away. And I want to be like, because they were it was right after COVID. And like, yeah, you guys are the first large Legacy tournament in paper in like two years. Of course mm-hmm. you sold out. Well, the Legacy, the Legacy Pit Event 2, which they upscaled to be like five times bigger than the first one, didn't even come close to selling out. Actually, it... it the attendance on it did so poor, they had to, they adjusted the, one the payout. They, yeah. Yeah, the payouts got adjusted. Now, I do, if I remember correctly, I don't think anyone got paid less than they were told they were going to, but it, things changed and no one likes change when it comes to money. But like, yeah, like it undersold so much that like the payout structure changed because you're like first in two years event that was, that was like kept at like 120 people sold out immediately. And then when you bump up to like an actual large event, it, you can't, Across the country, with a huge with a huge prize pool, you can't pull enough people. Not to mention huge prize pool, and you're pulling from the people who, outside of like professional grinders, effectively have the most money. Yeah, like legacy players have, by definition, they're holding a five thousand dollar asset in their yes. hand every time they sit down at a fucking table. Yeah, like you have to have a little bit of money. Your legacy players in general, probably a little older. Yep. Little, a little uh, more established, a little more established and can travel to play. And you're like, well, I can't get 200 people to show up for a once a year event. Yeah. And uh, like, and I don't know why, uh, I know that I know the one either this year or the, like the legacy of open three got canceled, which I desperately hope it was because of something like they just, they yeah, need to move it or they postpone it. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want them to fail, but like, it's one of those things where, like, I kind of got shit on where it's like, oh, you fucking want to say this? Well, look at what we did. And I'm like, yeah, but really, did you? And then in time, like, the facts bear it out that, like, yeah, not really, guys. Like, Legacy's not in a great spot compared to where it was 10 years ago. Well, and it, uh, that's something, again, you and I talked about and we got a little bit of pushback from. We're like, during the uh, Oko era and whatnot. You couldn't fire fucking challenges yeah, on Saturdays. Literally, challenges weren't fired. That's why it's called a, the the. If you look on MTG Goldfish or on MTGO online, like the the actual website, they call it's called the Challenge Thirty Two, because it can it only requires thirty two people to fire. Yep, it they, used to not fire every fucking week. Yeah, it reliably didn't. That's why we do Sunday tournaments because nobody because wanted nobody to talk. fucking did. Yep. Saturdays. Nobody cared about Saturday. No, nobody wanted to do the Saturday event. So it's just like, cool. We can yep. through all of Modo, we can gather maybe 80 people together to play fucking Legacy once a week. Yeah. And you're telling me the format's just fine. Yep. Like you go Whereas on the Reddit, the- like none of the fucking posts get interaction anymore mm-hmm. unless it's somebody bitching about the format. Yep. And then there's, you know, be, but basically it's something contentious. Yeah, unless so it's like, unless it's something that stirs the pot. Yeah. Like there's hardly any like and the Reddit app will tell you how many people are online on that yeah. subreddit, and it'll be like twelve. Yeah, and I'm one of them. I'm ten percent of the fucking <laughs> subreddit yeah. currently. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like, like that's that's so we get a lot of heat on like people don't like our cynical attitude, how we are disappointed, or how we complain about things. I will remind everybody, we started this podcast and we grew an audience around it based on. A time in Legacy when nobody acknowledged it sucked, and we wanted to talk about that it sucked. Like, we built this podcast because at the time, Blue Red Delver owned the format. It had owned it for, like, a year. It, well, it wasn't Blue Red Delver. It was Blue Red Delver with Oko. But, like, how Legacy was just in a shit spot and had been that way for, like, six months or a year. And every content creator we listened to was like, man, Legacy's great. I'm having so much fun. I love playing Legacy. And then, dude, again, reliably, every time. You'd have six months to a year of every content creator being like, here's some cool stuff in Legacy. What a cool deck that is. I love this. And then a card would get banned. 
and they would go, oh my God, I'm so happy Oko got banned. I'm so fucking tired of playing. That card is egregious and terrible. And how did it survive so long? And yeah, because people like that aren't telling you the truth. Because people aren't telling the truth. Because pe- because there's a group of people that are... They're us- creating content for money and views and not necessarily to... Yeah, and if you're looking for money and views, negativity isn't the way to Clearly go. Clearly look somewhere else because we don't have either. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But yeah, like that. that's why we started this. Was like to Because we, we were honestly tired of everyone saying Legacy's fine, knowing it's not. And we openly say Legacy isn't fine while we know it's not. And that's how we would change it. <laughs> yeah. So next question. Next question. Um, we have one more. Funny, we thought this was going to be a short episode, and then we're just like, yeah. "Hey, there goes." That's a segment on any other podcast. Yeah. Half hour on fucking one question. Um, so we have another one from Asphalt, uh, and he asked, "This one's going to be exclusively for you because I have been I'm not in Ben Magic long enough to uh, to to contribute." Uh, give me one second. I'll actually pull up his words. I bet it's still there. So, what do you think? The golden era of both Magic as a whole and Legacy as a format are, and why? So, uh, I just pulled this up. Urza Saga Block, clearly. No. <laughs> Although I did play during that, and I I was playing mono black control. We were playing casually. Fine. I was the most casual in that. Eldrazi Winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Hogak Summer. <laughs> so, if I had to pick one era, it would be as far as Magic as a whole. I'm going to do that first because my legacy answer is going to be pretty short. Um, the Kamigawa Ravnica, Ravnica Time Spiral, that standard, those two standards, in my opinion, were fantastic. Um, one of the things I loved about them, it's something you just won't see anymore. There was like uh, somewhere between like eight and 12. If I'm being like, I'm kind of hedging my bets here because I don't want to overstate things. Mm-hmm. Playable different archetypes in standard. That's a lot. At any given time. Like 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 distinct archetypes. Yes. So like in standard now, I mean there's probably like I'm not surprised to roll up against like any anywhere between eight and ten decks. But that's because like they're variations of Sultai or very variations of Bant or S like like there is a like a mono white and then there's a white blue and then there's and they're all they're kind all of formed this, around this similar card similar right? yeah so there's there's probably like three to five maybe like like distinct archetypes so or variant variation decks i just did a just this is the most rudimentary search just so i'd have something to talk about some example right so the 2005 worlds um tournament looking at the top eight gazi glare greater gift enduring and indi- Enduring Ideal, Gazi Glare, Bug Critical, Critical Mass, Gazi Glare, and Blue Black Control. So, like, just at Worlds, there's five of the top eight mm-hmm. are different fucking decks, and they're, like, radically different decks. Yeah. So, one of the things that I sh- I critique Morrow a lot. Mm-hmm. Ravnica is probably the best set of magic. The way the guilds work is, like, fucking phenomenal. That's why they keep going back to it. Because they each guild has its own mechanic, it has its own identity, and then like you can just pull from other cards and other sets and just be like, oh, this is this is great with my token deck. So like you don't need like the whole deck doesn't have to be pre-built, but like you kind of get the basis for a deck, and then it pulls from the other sets that are legal at the time, and then that's a deck, but it doesn't play anything like the other decks because all the other fucking guilds play really differently. Mm-hmm. So like. I mean, there's a, a Firemain Angel Control, which was a really cool fucking card. It was like Firemain Angel was a, I can't remember its power and toughness, but it cost like six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, here, I'll just look it up real quick just so I can get it right. So, Fire Main Angel. It's a six mana, three colorless, a red and two white. For a four, this will also tell you, in my opinion, it also kind of hit peak power. Where, like, we're actually playing with some cool cards now, but they still are costed appropriately. Uh, it's a, so it's a red-white angel. It's 4-3. It's got flying and first strike. So, important note, it's relatively easy to kill with that three toughness. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of your upkeep, if it's in your graveyard or in play, you gain a life. You can pay 10 to return it from your graveyard to play and play this ability only during your upkeep. So, what the goal was is it was, it was, they were typically like a Jeskai deck, a Jeskai control list. And you would use stuff like effectively careful study where you draw cards and then discard the fire main angels into your graveyard to slowly gain life to hold off your opponent until you use fire main angel, which is a very resilient threat to finish the game. Mm -hmm. And so you get two or three fucking of these angels in your graveyard and you're gaining three life a turn back when that would actually matter yeah. combined with a control deck. And that's a pretty serious obstacle to overcome. And then you've got like uh, just a ton of different fucking archetypes at the at like legal and then the cool thing is is so kamigawa rotates out and then time spiral rotates in or gets printed and becomes legal and all of a sudden you just have the same thing but with just different decks because now we lose all the the dragons from kamigawa and shit like that mm -hmm. but now we get a bunch of like cool retro style themed stuff which is hilarious talking about time spiral bringing up retro stuff yeah because time spiral to most of our listeners is retro as fuck anyways yep but it, like it was cool to us when it came out because it was like holy shit this is like like the time spiral block was a love letter to magic magic's history and like that combined with the utility and the u design of ravnica in my opinion it was just fucking it was phenomenal and i played standard like i was playing standard during the urza's block during fucking mascus during fucking like onslaught and odyssey and all this shit and like we got to fucking Ravnica and Kamigawa and then Ravnica or Kamigawa Ravnica, then Ravnica Time Spiral. And it was like being in heaven. Magic was so fucking fun to play. Like you could do all kinds of shit. And like, in my opinion, 100% peak. Like there's been good standards and good like uh, times where um, like other formats were really good. And to be fair, I haven't played them all. And that's going to be one of the things I talk about when we go to Legacy. But like that to me was just peak magic. Mm -hmm. And that's like I've wanted to like recapture that feeling for so long because it was so fucking good. Yeah. Um, As far as Legacy goes, to be perfectly honest, I haven't been playing Legacy. Like I started playing Legacy like seriously, like six months or a year before Top got banned. Gotcha. Like a year before me. Basically. Yeah. Because like I don't feel comfortable answering that question. I've been I've been playing magic long enough. Right. So like I don't really I can't really speak to a golden age. I can speak to when I enjoyed it most, which was after top before Dark Deathright Shaman got banned. Um, I personally like obviously shit has changed now and Deathright needed to go. I don't think when it got banned it needed to go at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh it's hilarious to me that uh top miracles was about twelve percent of the meta and it got a card banned. Grixis Delver was about 12% of the meta and it got a it got a card banned. And now we have decks that run around between 15 and 20% pretty fucking consistently. Oh, mi like minimum. And you and I get like shit on because we're like, hey guys, like the precedent you set was about 12% and we're yep. fucking 50% higher than that. Can we do something about this? Well, the no, problem fuck is you, you're just a whiner. The cards in that deck that need banned got printed last year and they're, Correct. they're still and being they sold. And uh so like that 
that would be my golden age. Okay. I don't, I, as far as the format as a whole, I can't speak to it as sad as it sounds. I've only been playing Legacy for like, I mean, fuck, I don't even know how long it's been. Between, like, what, seven or eight years? Something like that. Something like, like that. Without counting, because like I, I left... I was I was working in the office when I started uh, doing shit with you at FedEx. I drove for four years, so that's, let's say five years. That was a year or two ago, so we're between six and seven years probably. Yeah, something like that. Is when I started playing Magic with you guys, and I got into Legacy probably six months after I started playing, because I was still at FedEx when I started buying a Legacy deck. Yeah. So I probably, I probably played EDH for six months or so, and then I was like, I need a competitive fix. I kind of want to play Standard and Modern, and you were like, you should buy into Legacy. Yep. And I bought a reanimator and I do love that deck very, very much. But yeah, that's that would be my answer to that question. Okay. That's my favorite of the eras that I've played in. That would be my I, favorite. I, for me, I guess I'd have to say like Oko Standard was probably the best. Uh, <laughs> I did have a lot of fun playing Oko and Standard, but who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm the one playing them. Well, the that's what I loved about the Ravnica era was like there was fucking there was a deck for anybody. Like yeah. if you wanted to be an aggro deck, there's an aggro deck. Control, hey, combo. There was a deck for anyone in the yeah. Oko era as long as you played blue and green and played Oko and Uro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have much of a comment on that because I haven't been playing Magic long enough. I haven't lived through the eras. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I'm a new voice to the to Magic. Well, I was a new voice to Magic. I'm a crotchety old loser, I guess, now that complains about how things used to be. But Matt's got her back on that one. Uh, next up, we've got a question from Ian. He does say, happy to see the 100th episode. He said, so if you had to make a card with the goal of shaking up Legacy or Modern, what would it look like? Or would you just make Deathrite Shaman again? So I played very little with Deathrite Shaman. And so, and in, actually in fairness, I only ever played against Deathrite Shaman with Reanimator. And I fucking hated that card because it was very difficult to play around. Mm-hmm. Good card, but not just... So I don't have I don't have much. When you're comment. playing a graveyard deck, it's a pain in the ass. So I don't have much comment in terms of Deathrite Shaman. But how would I like? What card would I put into? Let's let's say let's start with Legacy. What card would I put into Legacy that would, um, in my opinion, to impact it? Um, honestly, what I would do is a. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I would do a card kind of like Orcish Bowmasters. I like the idea of punishing draw in the way Bowmasters does. But I would do it in such a way that could not be played in a blue deck. At least had a very, an actual fucking cost. So um, it would either be completely symmetrical. So it'd be like a Narset that's symmetrical or a Bowmasters that's symmetrical. I'm not opposed to Bowmasters being symmetrical. Yeah. Um, or I would make it like Black Black or Red Red or White White. Uh, I would make it something that would be incredibly difficult for a blue deck to splash. I so it's kind of, we complain about Bowmasters a lot. And the reason I complain about it is it's in this shitty supplemental set. I don't like that it fit into all the blue decks. It didn't it didn't fix the problem because we still have Brainstorm and Ponder at th- between 40 and 60% of the meta. But all you need to do to make those cards do that is make them symmetrical. Is make a card that is very good. Maybe ETBs and draws you a card, but then it would punish you. So I don't know how to, I don't know. it has to ETB and generate some kind of good value. So well, it's worth theory, playing. You could, if it was two ETBs, well, no, you'd still miss it. You'd have to make yeah. it like Flash. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, the premise of Bowmaster coming in, like, because people uh, people shit on us a lot when we complain about Bowmaster, because we spent the first year and a half of this podcast complaining about uh, Branch and Ponder and how like these cards need to be checked, and Bowmasters does check it. In the, theory, the problem is, like, they don't check it; they just encourage the decks that play it to play them. And they actually another problem with Bowmasters is they answer other Bowmasters really well. So, like, 
I would build something similar to that 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 curtails drawing that, that legitimately punishes drawing extra cards in a way that you couldn't play if you were planning on drawing a bunch of extra cards. So the decks that are going out there like Matt's mono green deck or like Red Stompy, whose intention is to not draw a single extra card this game, have a very real threat to deploy against decks that their main strategy is to draw a bunch of, a bunch of extra cards this game. That's what I do for Legacy. It probably looks similar to Bowmasters. Might even give it Flash. I don't mind the gotcha mentality of like... Well, Bo Bowmasters has Flash, right? That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I would give it Flash too. Like, I like the gotcha idea of like, if you're going to cast Brainstorm into two open mana, you might get got. I just don't like it that, you know, like they're going to get you for your brainstorm and then uh, and then cast their own brainstorm. Yeah, the the card needs to be, just to sum it up, a powerful way to punish cantrips that is not playable by cantrips. That's not, yes, yeah, so you can't, if that, you can't easily play with your cantrips. Right. Um, for modern, we've talked this a lot, uh, we, need to, we need to punish mana bases. Uh, Legacy, honestly, could probably use a little bit better of a way to punish mana bases. They have a bunch of three mana ways to do it and Wasteland. Um, but it obviously, it's not good enough to an extent. It's way not good enough in modern, uh, modern has blood moon. And that's pretty much it. I and think like the field of ruin effects, field like of ruin. I mean, it has like fulminator mage. Yeah. They're like ghost quarter sort of real, but they're not enough. Yeah. You're so not like your mono black deck against four color Omnath does fuck that deck's mana base up quite a bit. Eventually it but can. Yeah. Well, the problem is that mono black deck isn't good enough against the rest of the field to police yeah. the shenanigans. So it's just one of those things where it's like, yes, in a one, like in just in a vacuum, we have these two decks. This mono black deck can fuck this mana base up. Yep. It's not enough against the field. Yep. So like, so you need a better way to do it. You know, so legacy, we have wasteland and wasteland does a good job of helping. You know, the, it goes the, a long way. Well, wasteland being in one of the best decks is what goes a long way. Like wasteland being a part of Delver and the strategy of, you, you can't be too greedy, otherwise you're not casting your spells. Um, uh, Legacy also has a card like Price of Progress, which you've talked about as a phenomenal way to help kind of curtail uh, greedy mana bases. The idea that you can just get domed for eight on turn four because you went, you know, dual land, dual land, dual land, dual land. So as far as modern is concerned, it would either be just Price of Progress to start and give Burn a huge leg up, which the, the, the Burn having the ability to one... Um, get a real tool against these super grindy decks is great. And the fact that these super grindy decks a lot of times are gaining a lot of life. So the ability of the, to just be like, you know, on turn seven, hey, take 10 because they have two triumphs and three dual lands. Even So they fetch, you know, with their or, uh, their Omnath and they got four life. Okay, well, that's all gone now. Yep. Or we've also talked about a Wasteland variant. Uh, Matt's pretty convinced that we couldn't just do Wasteland because there is a significant higher, a significantly higher investment in modern to get that mana right away. With your shocks, yeah. With your shocks. So uh, I'm in favor of one of two options. Either a wasteland that you, let's say, pay two or three life to activate. It makes a colorless mana, and then you can pay two life and destroy their land, or three. Uh, or a wasteland that costs one to activate. Yeah. So wasteland, but you have to pay one tap sack. And then activate. And that I'm probably a little more in favor of the ability to turn one wasteland, even by hurting yourself. But I would probably lean towards one of those. I would prefer to see a wasteland effect in modern um, before Price of Progress. But I would be happy to see either one of those. A good wasteland effect. I think Price of Progress would do a lot. Because like 
modern burn is just on the fringes of yeah. being like we see it pop up in top 32s every now and then every now and then in top yeah. eight like having price of progress to like punish the fuck out of these just like cool i can pay two mana and deal six consistently yeah. like i'm not gonna get fire blast i yeah. wish they would mm -hmm. but like i mean at this point you could basically just give modern legacy burn and it'd probably be fine yep um but yeah i think that would the the problem here and this is the only downside to a wasteland style card in modern is ren and six is legal so like you have to do something with that. Yeah, we've, we've, sorry, we talked about that. It just needs to exile itself. Yeah. We've talked about that because it's true. Uh, that, that's what literally what got Ren and Six banned out of, out of Legacy. It just needs to exile itself. So you know, egg, you know, tap exile this card. Like that's all you have to do to put on that. Just put a clause that instead of going to the graveyard, it gets exiled. And you know, you could put that in standard. They probably wouldn't, but like you could put it in standard again. Make it target non basics. Like I'm all in favor of policing greedy mana bases. So sure, put. You know, pay one, tap, exile this card, or if it would be put in the graveyard, exile instead. Yep. Destroy target land. If that card would go to the graveyard, exile instead. Sure. So both lands get exiled. I don't know what you'd call it, but yeah. Path exile. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Path exile. Um, no, it's uh, uh, so insult, sown insult or something. Mm -hmm. And like that solves that problem. Like, all you have to do is just design the card with Ren and Six in mind. And while I am, I mean, a, an easy way to do it is. While I'm personally opposed to these straight to modern sets, you have them anyway. So in Modern Horizons three, yeah. To me, this question I assumed as things are now. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. You you print a land called so so insult, like so like like plant salt. Yep. And it's an art. It's a colorless land that comes in. You can pay two, sacrifice it, or you can pay three, sacrifice it, exile this card from your exile this card, exile target non basic land. Problem solved. Not problem solved. Step in the right direction. A step in the right direction to curtailing the very, very greedy mana bases we have in modern. That's what I would do. A uh, legacy I just unbanned survival of the fittest. Um, I think it would shake things up without taking over. Uh I'm be really curious to see how it goes. And survival of the fittest is a I'm a huge fan of that card. It's so fucking fun to play. Um, and then I just said it in modern, like price of progress would be my card. We were on the same boat, like the the in if we're taking modern as it is, yeah, uh, one of the biggest problems is just the greedy mana bases. You just need some way to punish it. We've both fallen on the same cards. We we were in a hundred percent agreement there. Um, the thing I do like about there's there's basically two sides of the same coin here. Wasteland probably creates a deck. Price of progress bumps an existing one. Yeah, and Let's so just do just, both. I'd be I honestly would be a hundred percent on board with both. Yeah, like there should be a cost. To playing your third a color, four fucking color deck, yeah. like three. You can have three, four, five. Like these just aren't a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like with the triomes and shit. Well, you look at like blue white control, and it's running a five color mana base, right? To run leyline binding, to run, right? Like leyline binding in so many decks is almost free because you just slap in two the, triomes, the 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 three dual lands you care about anyway, the three colors you're running, and then one or two triomes, and now you have a one to two mana instant speed exile uh, oblivion ring. Right. Like that's and there's just there is almost no cost to it. Uh this starts implementing some kind of a cost to it. You can you can either take them off a of color or you can keep their you can keep their oblivion rings at 3 mana or 4 mana. Mhm. Mm um, you can severely punish an Omnath deck for trying to get to four colors of mana on turn four or by fetching the, like taking multiple turns to fetch, just to fetch Triomes and be behind a little bit. It's okay. Like you can, yep. 
you can really impact those decks. And then obviously Price of Progress is like, I don't care. Have all that shit. Yep. Take keep 10. shocking, dude. Just keep take take 10 at the end. Yep. So um thank you, Ian. Up next we have Tim. Uh, if you had to play one format for the rest of time, which format would you pick? Mine would have to be EDH. Uh, I think there's just the most variety in EDH. Assuming well, there I definitely can, is. We can. There's definitely the most variety in EDH. Assuming this is assuming that I can get you and me and two other competent people we like to yeah. play. Obviously, we we're on the record. EDH with randos is not the right way to play. It's a huge fucking waste of time. Yeah. Um, like if I have to play with just strangers, then it, it'd probably be pioneer at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like again, if we're dealing in the, in the world we live here now, yeah. like I don't really have much interest in playing legacy anymore. Modern. The problem is go buy a modern deck. It'll be useless in a year. Well, or like I've had two modern decks and they've both been banned. Yeah. I've had, I've eight bands out of fucking legacy as well. And I'm not even talking about the one I was playing um blue red delver and modern with treasure cruise and when Tre- to be fair in my in my defense treasure cruise and uh dig through time were both slept on quite a bit mm-hmm. they immediately like very shortly proved themselves but even then they weren't like in modern it wasn't like the end of the world it's just the threshold for banning stuff that was in print was lower mm-hmm. and it was a common so like yeah, it, it wasn't selling treasure packs. cruise wasn't selling packs yeah um so that got banned, and then I moved over to Affinity, and they banned Moxable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, hooray! Yep. Because again, Modern Horizons came out, and Urza broke Moxable, and so they banned Moxable. Yep. Um, in Legacy, the big ban I ate was Deathrite Shaman. Yep. Uh, I had you had eight copies of Deathrite Shaman banned. Yeah, I had Elves, and then I wanted to play a uh, Delver variant, mm-hmm. uh, which at the time I had built Blue Red Delver, which was the worst variant. Basically, at the time it was Grixis, then Rug, then Blue Red. Yep. And one, two, three. I had started with Blue Red because it was the cheapest, uh, and then it was basically a decision of whether or not I wanted to be on kind of like Nimble Mongoose style gameplay or a little grindier with like Deathrite Shaman and shit. And I went with Deathrite Shaman. Yep. And uh, yeah, that got banned. So. Then talked me into building a graveyard deck that's yes that's true <laughs> it wasn't because i was playing death right no, no, no of course not but, absolutely um, not and i did love playing the deck it was a, yeah. it was a phenomenal deck to and build. it was a relatively inexpensive entry it was while it was, still it was doing a, very powerful things. It, was, it was a cheaper deck to get into and it was an easy deck to get into to play yeah. like it's the decision trees of reanimator are not that big yeah it's well, like do i slam grizzlebrand now or later right that's the that's the decision tree it's like can i slam grizzlebrand yes or no We'll fucking see. No, okay. Can't try to set him up yeah, as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. If it's like a flow chart of like, can you play Grizzlebrand? If no, what do you have to do to play Grizzlebrand? <laughs> that's yeah. that's the decision tree. Well, and the alternative, as far as budget goes, because budget was a very real concern back then, was death and taxes. And death and taxes is not a noob friendly. No, it's cheap, but it's not a noob friendly legacy deck. Yeah, and it also wasn't the kind of way I wanted to play legacy at the yeah. time. I wanted to do crazy, broken, powerful things. And while Death and Taxes is a very good deck, it's not doing crazy powerful broken no, things. It's, it's grinding out small advantages. Yes. Um, Which again, it's also, yeah, if you're getting into Legacy, you like starting with Death and Taxes is probably not where you should learn Legacy because it's a very difficult to, deck to play. I've honestly forgotten the question. What was the question? Again? Um, If you had to play one format the rest oh, of your yeah. life. So realistically, EDH. EDH. Maybe um, if you need some. Like, if it if, had to be competitive in uh, 60 Pioneer. cards, Pioneer. Yeah. So, uh, so oddly enough, that's about where I am. Um. I love playing EDH, but I 
I wouldn't even start with, I, that wouldn't be my first answer because I primarily like to play for competitive sake. I love playing competitive magic, not necessarily for money, but I, I just like playing a game of magic where like mo- we both sit down and we know for a fact my goal is to win, your goal is to win. I don't have to care about your feelings. I don't have to care about letting your deck do its thing. Like, man, it's kind of douchey that you wasteland me on turn two. I mean, yeah, but I could, so I did. Like, that's And I should, so like, I did. Yeah, like, yeah, like. I, I man, I haven't played a land since turn five or since turn four, and it's, it's turn eight, and you're like, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm like, oh, sorry, shit happens. Yep, take eight, attack. <laughs> so yeah, so and I would de- so and like as if if no if if no format changes happened, if the premise of the format stayed the same, which the 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 premise of Pioneer is it has to go through standard to be in Pioneer, then it a hundred percent be Pioneer, no doubt. I love playing Pioneer. Well, the problem is modern used to be that way. I know. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, if it's they change like, the fucking rules. Yeah. If if everything got locked in stone, if 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 Watsi's format regulations became the reserve list mentality and they didn't fucking change it on a whim, it'd be Pioneer. I would build blue white control with five fairy and I would love every minute of trying to control the game, wipe the board, clean things up, and finish the game by alting it to fairy and exiling everything you fucking own. A hundred percent. I would. I'd love to play that. If I, um, if I get back into playing like regular competitive magic, and I, I, I will, I will be looking at buying blue white control in Pioneer. That's the first deck I want to buy, and the first deck I want to play is I want to find Pioneer events. I want to figure out the Rakdos matchup and the which will, which will be difficult because blue white control does not like playing against Thoughtseize, but I will try and figure out the black white uh, the the Rakdos matchup and the mono green matchup, and I'll be showing up with blue white control. Mm-hmm. Not even, not even a question of what I would what I would do, and then second place would for sure be, you know, honestly, second place would probably be Popper even before Legacy, um, because I I, I like, agree with you there. Yeah. I like playing competitive Magic so much. Popper is the best example of um, high power level, cheap price, and competitive gameplay, and so I would probably I would prefer to play Pioneer because I like Pioneer a little more. But I popper would be right in second where like I would get into the popper metagame. I'd find a popper group or hopefully like a scene that plays a lot of competitive popper and I'd start buying popper decks. Well, the nice thing about popper is it gets it kind of scratches both itches. So like with popper, you can have a ton of diversity in what you get to play because the decks are so cheap Mm -hmm. like you can with EDH. But it also is a competitive format. So like you could take 500 bucks and just buy like three or four popper decks of the best popper decks and just be like, I'm going to play this this week and this this week. Whereas if you did that, even in pioneer, that'll buy most of blue white control, right? Like 500 bucks will probably buy most of blue white control in pioneer. Whereas yeah, 500 bucks buys like the best three to five decks in popper easily. Yeah. So that is definitely where I'd be. So uh, we do have one more question. This one's from an anonymous. Um, It's a, it's a short, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit, uh, but it's, it's commenting on something we've commented on where it's like how it says you guys are so you guys are regularly very negative about uh, legacy and modern and the state of magic. So why do you guys put so much time and effort into playing it and talking about it? Yep. It's <laughs> a good fucking question. And it's a very true. Um, and I so said we get a lot of crit- uh, criticism about how negative we are sometimes and how we'll go deep into a negative opinion of how Watsi's doing something or their printing practices or their uh, format management or their business strategy or anything. And the reason is because we love magic. We've loved it. Uh, Matt's loved it for 25 fucking years. I've loved it for six or seven years. We're very entrenched players. We live and breathe it. 
and it's something that we really, really, really enjoyed having a part of our lives, and we feel like it has very significantly changed for the worse, and no one talks about it. Right, or very few people do. Very few people talk about it. Yeah, um, and, and it's just one of those things where, like, so we we had a couple, when we started the podcast, there were a couple things that, like, I just flat out told you, because I, this is going to sound really pretentious, but, like, I consider myself a man of principles, mm-hmm. and I was like, look, if we're going to do this, these are things I won't do. Yeah. Like, and if we're, if if, like, we're in that territory, then I'm done, or we need to Something needs to change. And one of them was basically lie. Like, I'm not going to get up here and pretend that I'm happy with the way things are going in order to get views yep. or listens. Uh, like, that's just not something I'm going to do. There are things we haven't talked about, but I haven't said anything on this podcast once that I don't actually think is true. And there's been times where I've been wrong as well. Yeah, yeah. But, but you, we, there, yeah, we stand behind what we say. Like, we make bad calls. But any opinion we've given you, at least at the time, was a valid opinion, we thought. Right. And uh, there's been topics we've not discussed because they're controversial. Yeah. And we don't really want to dip into, like, the e-drama of shit. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not here to piss off thousands of people and make them mad at me or just step in a big old pile of shit where nobody wins. There's no reason. There are some things that there's no point in talking about it. There's nobody wins. Correct. And that's that's the problem is, is that type of thinking has been basically gotten it's got magic's gotten to the point where like i am never going to convince the people that disagree with me that i'm right and they're wrong and the opposite is true well here's here's the worst part about it in my opinion while that's true that you'll never convince the people that disagree with you that you're right which is okay that's we can't even convince the people that disagree with us that we should be allowed to have the opinion on many things like we, it's okay for us to disagree on some of the things Watsi does with their formats and with their practices. And there's a lot of people who would be very upset for you simply voicing your different opinion. And that is not okay. Right. So like I'm going to, so like we, we talk about magic all the time. Um, when it's bad, we call it out. Yep. When it's good, we call it out. Yep. Um, like the post expressive iteration pre Bowmasters legacy yeah. format was fantastic. And for like six weeks, we did nothing but praise legacy. Yeah, it was awesome. And like you, we, like you re-upped your fucking rental account so you yep. can play online. I started to dig in so I could start to like figure out, like I was going to get elves like solid again, yep. look at lists, like start practicing again and get back into it. And then Bowmasters comes out and it's just like, so we're right back in the same thing. Yep. Like we've changed the color of the broken two drop. But mm-hmm. like fundamentally, it's the same fucking shit. Yep. The best the best archetype was back on top. The best, you know, 45 cards, 50 cards were back on top. And we're just a new little flavor of the week. Yeah. And it's to be fair, it isn't as bad because mm-hmm. like the pre like when expressive iteration and the uh, the seasoned engineer were legal. Like legacy was fucking dog shit. There were two. There were two. There were two, decks. two playable decks, in there my were, opinion. Forty-five to fifty percent of the meta every week was two decks. So like, I'm not gonna sit here and say that like the bowmaster meta is that because it's, it's not. not. Um, that's just not true at all. But like, the fact of the matter is, I'll give you the single biggest reason as to why I'm like don't really play legacy much anymore, especially since bowmaster. My deck's just not a fucking thing anymore. Yeah, I have a fucking four to five thousand dollar deck. Yep. That. 
went from being a playable tier one, tier two deck to why would you bother showing up with elves yeah. in a tournament yeah. when well, 40% of the meta has a card that not only counters your whole deck, but kills you in the process. Yeah. It's and it's important to like we could probably agree. If we had if we had a Friday night legacy scene that wasn't the most competitive, you could show up with elves and play and play. Oh, for fun. sure. And we probably would. It still does do fucking like yes. eighty damage on turn two or three. But if we want to play legacy, we're looking at a two to four hour drive minimum. Yeah. And I'm not gonna drive two to four hours minimum and show up with a okay chance of maybe going even. Yeah. Cool. I went four and three and then went home. Yeah. So we're going to spend four hours there, four hours back, six hours playing yep. or probably closer to seven to eight hours playing. Yeah. And realistically, unless I'm fucking like Reed Duke. Yeah. I can't take yeah. my so, fucking deck to a tournament and have any expectation of yeah. winning. Anymore. So like eternal weekend in Pittsburgh's coming up. You want to fly to Pittsburgh with elves, right? No, no, I don't want to spend $1,200 on a weekend and take my blue white control deck. That just isn't going to be remotely competitive. And that's one of the problems is like, I have no issue with like slowly having to adapt your deck to the metagame. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking about. This was like light switch level change. Yeah. Multiple uh, for, uh, multiple times for the last four years. Like right. we've, we have, we have completely flipped over what legacy looks like in some capacity over the, over the last four years, multiple, multiple, multiple times. Right. And <laughs> the funny thing is, Almost every time, it's fucking hit elves, and elves has done nothing to fucking done like Deathrite Shaman banned. L L, <laughs> you never, you it, never it wasn't broken in elves. It's fine. Then we go, uh, we get fucking Ren and Six. Yep, nukes elves and plague, plague engineer, engineer nukes elves bowmaster, nu and it's just like, um, the uh, don't forget Hullbreacher. Hullbreacher was playable there for a while too. Right. Um, that one wasn't as bad, but it was still you it never came out at the same time as Plague Engineer, so it was just. Did you ever watch uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender? Uh, you're gonna love this. I saw the movie, <laughs> so you didn't. So anyone who watched it, uh, Matt's the cabbage guy. <laughs> Matt's over here just screaming, "My cabbages!" <laughs> well, it's just like the fact of the matter is, the format is designed. Well, I designed isn't necessarily the right word, but the it's de facto a format where you pick a deck and you stay with it because they are so fucking expensive. Mm -hmm. Like if we're talking about paper, obviously with a rental thing, play whatever you want. Yep. But to be perfectly honest, I don't want to play anything yeah. but elves. Like I, you and I can agree, at least for us, playing on MTGO is, in my opinion, fun. It's 60% as fun as playing paper magic. Right. Like on the on a good day. It's, it's, one, it's, it's two thirds as good as playing for realsies. Yeah. And or while three I fifths. Consider myself a competitive legacy player. I'm not a grinder. I have no yeah. I have no intention of putting in twenty to forty hours a week playing fucking legacy elves online. Yep. So like what I do is I keep up with the meta, I play when I can with my friends, I practice my deck, and then I go to local paper tournaments. Yep. Those don't exist anymore. Nope. I don't want to play online. But some do here and there. And and you may be listening from the East Coast or the West Coast and be like, what are you fucking talking about? Well, yeah, all the time. if you live in fucking Seattle. And that's different. And you have the Mox boarding house or whatever the fuck uh -huh. it is 30 minutes from your house. That's totally different. And you, yeah, we, we live in different worlds, unfortunately. Right. Like where we live, where Legacy used to be a thing you could drive, you know, an hour south and pick up games really easily or half an hour one way or 40 minutes the other way, like, or in town. Right. When I started playing, 
there was a leg a monthly legacy tournament. Yep. I went to it like six weeks in a row. Yep. Like I was like or six, you mean six months in a row. Six months in a row. Like six times in a row. Yeah. Elves, 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 elves. Like that's when I be, uh eventually built Blue Red Delver. Yep. Because like eventually I got tired of like just losing to bombs yeah. i'm like i want to play some force of will as yep, well yeah but i was playing enough that i was like i want a second legacy deck yep and people looked at me like it was fucking crazy at one point i had four it's like fucking elves yeah death and taxes Delver, death and taxes and goblins yeah yeah gobbles built and eight cast yep <laughs> like this is not something where i'm like oh i just you know i don't get to play my one pet deck yeah you know what i mean like i fucking loved yep. legacy so like and that that's why we are so critical of it is like we really enjoyed it we really loved it and it's we have watched it gradually change in our opinion for the worse and that is why you hear our honest and negative opinion of it and there's really no signs of that changing no sadly there there's is not. no light at the end of the tunnel nope uh, that does however segue into our big announcements we've been talking about it for several weeks. Uh, and this is going to be the direction of Cantrip Cartel going forward. All right, Matt. So the suspense is over. We are here. Um, the announcement is, uh, without uh, bearing the lead, we're walking away from regularly covering competitive magic content. Yep. Um, Matt and I have been thinking about this for several months. This is not a decision we came to lightly. People who have been listening for a long time will know that I think last year or a year or so ago, we actually put a poll out and asked people how they felt about us not continuing to talk about magic or at least legacy in general. And the, actually, it was overwhelming responses to keep talking about magic. They loved our magic content. And so we did. And um, it is getting to the point where while people do complain about us having negative opinions on magic and we stand behind our negative opinions, it's actually getting hard to every single week have just abhorrently negative opinions about magic. And yeah, it's getting to the point where like we don't want to like we don't want to talk we, we about don't magic. Look forward to recording the episodes. At least the in my opinion, the magic part. The magic part. <laughs> and like that's we started this podcast because we like talking about magic. And that's not what we like doing. Well, and that was one of the other rules that I basically whether or not I told you, I don't even remember. I think you did. But it was just a matter of like when I am nope. not enjoying this anymore, yeah. it's either going to change yeah. Or I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah, the podcast lasts as long as we want to do it. And once we and I, I agree entirely. Once we don't want to do it, why are we doing it? Like we right. don't I mean like this isn't our job. No, and I it I mean we spend easily between 4 and 6 hours a week working on this. Like depending on like this recording session usually takes it usually takes 4 hours of a recording session to make a 2 and a half to 3 hour podcast. We usually put about 3 hours out between 2 and 2 and a half hours for the main episode and half hour to an hour for the patrons. Um believe it or not Matt and I don't just sit down and immediately turn a microphone on. We hang out a little bit. We chit chat. We kind of get we. You've got a fucking half hour drive one way. I drive half hour here. Like it's this. I've is, got a whole room dedicated to the fucking thing. Yeah, this like is there's a lot. There, there's a lot of commitment, this. and this is a four to five hour commitment. Like like I so I got here at I think like four o'clock today. It's going on seven, and we're not even close to being done. And I still have an hour or hour and a half hour ish of editing and uploading and yada yada. So yeah, all the back end shit. If we don't enjoy doing it, why the fuck are we doing it? Um, well, we could be in theory. If we didn't enjoy doing, we could just be sitting on my couch playing Resident Evil, which would be phenomenal. Yeah. Like I would love it, or I could be at home playing Li Liza P right now. Right. Like, like we could be on Discord together, fucking around, having. I mean, we have a good time here, but there is a lot that goes into this, and if we're not enjoying doing it, why are we doing it? So, um, Matt and I are not going to cancel the podcast. We are not going to stop doing this because we actually do really enjoy talking to each other, and we enjoy actually interacting with our patrons. We enjoy interacting with the audience. We 
Um, both of us consume a lot of podcast content and therefore we love, well, I love that podcast content exists. Yep, me too. And if people enjoy the podcast content we create, I want to keep creating it for them because I would be very bummed out if the podcast I listen to just stopped existing. It's happened a couple of times. And well, again, kind of going back to like legacy not being great, like there's been several prominent legacy podcasts that are just like washing their hands of it. They're like, yeah. we, we're not so, going to do this anymore. Yeah, several of them have stepped away. Um, I remember I went through a phase like so I used to have my week metered out and like very specifically what days I listen to what podcasts and slowly they just fell away. And it's like, wow, OK, now Tuesdays are open. Oh, now Fridays are open. Now Mondays are open. Um, and we are going to do the same thing in terms of we're done supporting Watsi. Uh, one thing that's important to remember is and Matt brought this up and I'd always known this, but I hadn't thought about it as specifically. Uh, all we do is make commercials for Watsi. Yeah. The the episode is a giant commercial. Yep. We are product. we are a huge whether and, and it's very much the any publicity is publicity. And whether we are we are on here shit talking Watsy or appraising Watsy and the way they run their formats, we are making a commercial for them. We are encouraging people to um interact with their content, buy their product, play their game. Which is another reason why we don't pull any punches at all. Like I personally feel like if we're gonna talk about a yeah. product, we are de facto endorsing it. Yes. And like we need to tell the truth about it. Yep. So like it's so like a couple of months ago, so we started putting ads in these podcasts to kind of help get a little more revenue to help uh, keep the podcast going. It helps helps give us a little more incentive to make the podcast, and it helps honestly with me. It helps justify the time I commit to it to my wife. Like I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. I love my wife, and she loves me. She's not super ecstatic that she just loses me for six hours a week to this. She's okay with it, but she would much rather me be at home, even if, even if I was playing games in the room, and like you know. Making dinner for her, checking in on her, hanging, sitting with her for a couple hours. Like, I'm sure your wife would love it if these couple hours she could actually, you know, come down here and talk to you and sit with you and watch a movie. So, like, that that helps contribute to that. Um, we will not probably ever have those, like, just include whatever ad you want. Because any ad that I put on my product, which is my podcast, I have to specifically endorse. Um, we will vet any product we ever advertise with, and it will only ever be a product we use and or approve so like right now you listen to the ad of spotify and the uh, spotify for podcasters the reason i had that ad on there and i'm okay advertising them is i've been using them for almost two years and i love it they yeah it's pretty fucking good <laughs> they i mean like they legitimately make this so easy and doable for someone that doesn't know anything about podcasting and it's free and it's free and, and so, uh, it's funny thing we're doing a miniature commercial yeah. for it but it's like that's why they get, related yeah. that's why they get one as soon as they come in they go hey you should do a podcast for Brazen briefs boxers. Nope. No, sure won't. I don't. I don't. And well, then give me five free pair, and well, I'll wear them for six months, and I'll and, see how they do. Yeah, and like so, I, I, we aren't gonna advertise products we just aren't ready to support. And Magic has reached that point with us where I'm just not ready to commit every week to supporting it. Now I'm still gonna keep playing Magic on Arena. I'm still gonna probably keep playing Magic on MTGO. Sometimes I'm also probably selling most of my Magic cards. Like that's how that's how kind of done I am with magic right now and how prepared I am to take at least an extended vacation from paper magic. And if I'm going to take an extended vacation from paper magic, there is zero reason to keep any of my cards. Anything non-reserve list. Anything non-reserve list could catch because you can't convince me any card I own right now that isn't on the reserve list will be worth more money in five years. I'm not saying I won't play Magic for five years, but if I come back to Magic in two or three years, because I'm not, I someone asked on the on the on the Discord, like because we told them about this a little while ago, 
Are you? W- would you ever entertain the idea of coming back to Magic? Fuck yeah, I would. I love playing Magic. We haven't Magic. even fully left. Like, honestly, you know what I'm looking for to replace Magic? A game as close to Magic as possible. Right. Like, a buddy of mine plays the Force of Will TCG. It's fucking Magic. It's just reskinned, and it's a little cheaper. I'd love to come back to Magic. If some of the complaints I have about the way Watsy runs its company and the way they manage their formats got changed, absolutely I'd come back and buy back in. But why would I not sell my modern deck right now for the $1,200 it's worth, knowing full well that in two years, that modern deck is not going to be worth... You can't convince me griefs will be worth more in two years than they are now. Right. Because they'll either print a more powerful version of it, or they'll print a version, a, a card that makes it unplayable, or they'll ban it. Right. Or they will just reprint the fucking thing into yeah. the ground. Or which, it just gets reprinted a dozen times. To be perfectly honest, I'm not against. Nope. I'm I don't happy. like 50 card cards being like non-reserve list stuff being like that expensive, yeah. but that's not you shouldn't keep them if you're expecting that to happen. And I'm not using them. Right. And so like, if I was playing my modern deck every week or if I was going to tournaments. Then who cares? That, that's the loss you just sign up for. My cards get reprinted. My Force of Wills lost half their value. Eh, that shit happens. It's part of it. But like, I'm not going to use them for the next. I don't, need, I don't need to watch my griefs lose half their value while they sit in a binder. I haven't touched them in a year and a half. So like, I'm selling that stuff. I'm getting rid of it. I'm taking a long break from Magic. I'm ditching on pretty much anything non-reserve list. And if I want to come back and play Magic again in three years, I'll buy back in. I'm not opposed to spending $1,000 on a Magic deck. That's okay. That's what it costs. It'd be cool if it, it would be cool if in five years, like, Watsy was able to, one, keep the doors open and trash the economy of their cards enough that a modern deck costs 400 bucks. That'd be fucking awesome. And if that is, it's great. If it's not, and I got to pay, say, $1,000 to play a cool modern deck, I will. I'll do it then. But right now, I think I'm out of Magic. Yeah, I... I basically have been for quite a while, like uh, on a just a personal note that has nothing to do with Watsy and whatnot. Alex and Derek dying. Oh, like, it's, yeah, it's, it took a ton of wind out of my sails as far as magic goes anyways, because those like, are two of the biggest people that my like, EDH group fell apart. Yep. And like Derek was a third of our legacy legacy group. scene. We talked about legacy all the time. He would come. He'd come hang out for the weekend or whatever, and we'd play Legacy for like four hours. Right. We would just play. Just I'd play Matt's deck and my deck. And yeah, I'd play against Death and Taxes five times in a row just to help work on that. I loved it. It was so fun to do testing sessions with him. Yeah. So like that, it definitely isn't the only thing. But it's, um, it's just, it's more, it's more it's straws another fucking on the Campbell's straw. back. And uh, yeah, like there's, there's, like I said, there's a bunch of reasons you and I have talked about personally. We've talked about like we don't have to. I'm not going to rehash like all the things. Like if you want to listen to why I don't really want to play Legacy or Magic in general, uh, I haven't really left a whole yeah. lot like unrevealed we've, here. Yeah, we've done it in pieces, but like I mean, we can hit some of the highlights. So like Magic is losing its identity as fast as it yeah, possibly universe can. Yeah, universes beyond. Yeah, um, and so let, let me let me let me be very clear when I talk when I say that. Um, I'm not necessarily upset inherently that, um, uh, oh, fuck, what's his fucking name? Jeff Goldblum. That Jeff Goldblum is a magic card now. I'm not necessarily upset on premise that Dave Tennant is a magic card because they're just pieces of paper. I get that. When I go to play the Force of Will TCG, they're just ink on paper. None of those characters mean anything to me. But magic is losing its identity and is just adopting whatever other content identity it takes to make money. And that means something because now it's not magic anymore. It's just it's, it's Fortnite. It's Fortnite or Call of Duty. You can fucking play as Snoop Dogg in Call of Duty, which is kind of cool. Well, here's a side note. In fairness to that, 
Snoop Dogg plays a fuck ton of Call of Duty. Like sure. he's actually really, really good. But you can play as Snoop Dogg in Call of Duty. You can play as Ariana Grande in Fortnite. Like Fortnite doesn't have an identity. Fortnite is a rule set that slaps in, in cool looking skins on it for you to play with. Magic one is an incredibly powerful, incredibly fun rule set that it, but also had an identity. It either doesn't or is quickly moving to where it does. It's doesn't. been eroded to a large degree. And it's it's accelerating, not decelerating. How well, fast they just tear it apart. And this is one of the problems. This is why I always talk about gatekeeping isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. What happens is you start doing this and it starts pulling non-magic players in, which is their stated goal. Yes. Which Well, uh, guess what? The people that it's going to pull in don't want magic to have an identity. Correct. They want it to be the well, like I, you know, like I started playing because I saw the Godzilla cards or the Walking Dead cards, mm-hmm. and like I want to play with other things. Yep. I don't really care that magic has 25 years of history before yep. Universes Beyond started. Yep. I don't give a shit about that. What I care about is like I bought in because I, I was a Warhammer player, so I bought the Warhammer EDH decks. Yep. And like I like the fact that like I can fucking play as Abaddon and kill Gandalf. Yep. Like, and I also want to say this. I say this every time I talk about this. If that's how you feel, that's cool. Magic is becoming a game for you, not for me. Right. And that's what Watsy, that's what Morrow has said multiple times. Well, this product is not for you. Yeah. Well, that's for all, the past like five years, that's all I hear. Yeah. Just, and more and more often. It came out like Morrow would say that once a year and then two or three times a year. And now every three months, Every other month, he comes. They come out with some announcement, and the hidden underlying text is: if you don't like it, it's not for you. Go away. Yeah. Well, the problem is, they've simultaneously done all this, in my opinion, controversial stuff, and there's no format outside of Pioneer where you can go to escape it. Yeah. And even in Pioneer, you still have D and D stuff in yep. there because it was standard legal. Uh, yeah. If I remember correctly, the Godzilla cards are Pioneer are, legal. Yep. Um, like there's still some of that nonsense. Now, that is, in my opinion, I will say those are the least offensive. Simply reskinning cards does not bother me as much. Um, it might bother you as much, but it doesn't bother me as much. Well, it bothers me in the sense that that was the let's dip our toe in this water. Yes, it was. It, that was if the start. If we're going to do this, it is the least bad way to do it. Yes. Yeah. And it, it does it, the it, least damage. And it's escalated for sure. That's where it started. Yeah. Um, and the D&D doesn't bother me as much. I, I think D&D and magic do fit relatively well together. That does not bother me as much. Um, but it's like, I said, obviously it never would have, but if it had stayed there, it'd been fine, but it's not, it has evolved to, like I said, a full doctor who series, a full doctor who set a full Lord of the Rings set a, a Jurassic park, uh, secret lair with unique cards, a full with real fucking people, in it. um, a street fighter set, uh, what else? Final fantasy, assassin's creed, yes. walking yeah, dead, assassin's creed, right? I mean, like, this is the type of shit where it's just... I just how do you get more of a... a I, I like Assassin's Creed. We'll start there. But how do you get more of a milk toast series than Assassin's Creed? Well, that's what Creed? I was going to say. Like, that is the type of thing. Like, some of this stuff, you could at least make a good faith argument that this is like... Like, if, like... There's a lot of overlap between yeah. Magic players in yeah. Final Fantasy or Magic yeah. players in D&D. Or you could also say Lord of the Rings is a culture defining event the lord of the rings movies the lord of the rings books they have defined fantasy as we know it in western civilization so yeah we bring that into magic i I get how that's kind of cool that is such a monumental landmark in literature 
in terms of fantasy for the Western civilization. Fucking Assassin's Creed? It's not. It's fuck, Assassin's Creed isn't. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And like, and that's just that's how we are just evolving into just whatever cool art we can put on cards to sell packs and just do whatever they want with and just fuck over magic. And that's and all of that is to ignore also. There's been a like while there are all the fucking core con or the core sets that are I don't mean a core set, but the real sets that are like legit magic sets. It's like the the printing philosophy of magic is so different than it was like even when I got started where like cards had costs, you had like strategy, you had to, you real strategy involved in your gameplay and looking for advantage and wait and trying to make things work and finding synergy and like now like the vast majority of decks you see are like basically Jun decks. Just 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 just, just, just just put the best cards together. That's all you gotta do. All of them, all of them fucking draw a card. All of them generate value. All of them are super efficient. Just put all the good cards together and make it work. And it'll work. And it will work out fine. And the problem is, the goal has remained the same: deal twenty damage to your yes, opponent. And nothing else in the game has changed. Right. Um. So we're all like, we're all running yep. a sprint. Yep. Only now so, everyone uses fucking cybernetic legs. Yeah. And so like just this combination of. Watsi is aggressively changing formats to allow them to sell packs with power creep. They're aggressively altering these older formats like modern, like legacy. They're aggressively eroding their own identity in terms of their product. They're, they're no longer going to be a company that sells magic cards. They're going to be a company that sells interesting or that, that sells um, final fantasy skinned magic cards and final and Assassin's Creed skinned magic cards. And, and they are, aggressively just changing the way the game functions magic games I, don't play the same way i they don't know that's be. the right way to say that i guess but just these are a couple like, there's there's obviously other reasons but like all of these things have culminated to like i don't really want to play magic anymore i definitely don't really want to give watsi money anymore and i in the same vein as that i don't want to give watsi free commercials anymore Really fucking long commercials. Really long commercials. (laughs) So for all of those reasons, we're transitioning Cantrip Cartel. It's going to be the same bad name, the same bad place, the same bad time. But it's going to be a lot more of Matt and I talking about probably video games we play. Yeah, so that was... So we haven't... We talked about it a little bit with our patrons. Yep. Um, Back in... Oh, probably six, eight months ago. Well, it was was right around New Year's. It was either... Because we were up at uh, Ashley's house. Yeah. For yeah, we were talking Christmas about it. Or yep. New Year's, something like that. I had the idea for a cartridge cartel. Yep. And basically, it was going to be a little bit of a spinoff. Yeah. Because we clearly weren't cranking out enough content. We yep. needed another fucking podcast. Yep. We were going to do a once a month or twice a month podcast. And what we would do is we were going to go back and um, basically we would alternate who gets to pick a game. Yep. And they were primarily going to be older games because basically Jake and I have two different eras of gaming that we played yep. when we were growing up. So we we each have like a love for a gaming period that the other didn't play a ton of. Uh-huh. And we we're going to alternate week to or month to month. Like yep. you play, we're going to both play this game and we're going to review the game. Yeah. So like, for example, I live first episode is recorded. Uh, it's over portal two. Yep. I played portal two. I loved it. It was a really cool game and I made Matt play it. Yep. And, and we the, both played it. We both played again. It, yes. So yes. like I get to see how good did it hold up? Was it just rose colored glasses or was it really phenomenal? Mm-hmm. And then Matt plays it going, how is this game as an outsider looking in? Right. And then we review it. Yep. And so that's, that is going to be something we're going to be pushing harder in, pushing harder yeah. basically. Cause now we're going to have time yeah. to talk about video games more Yep. because we still want to have a gaming centric podcast. Yep. Just not magic centric anymore. 
And uh-huh. so magic will make it in there. Oh, for like, sure. Like if I'll probably like, get a little more into standard and be playing a little more regularly. And like if standards in a great place and they're having a fun time, y'all going to hear me talk about standard. If so, I mean, like I still have my rental account. I have it on vacation because it's 10 bucks a month. Yeah. Like if something cool happens in legacy and I, I might play legacy for a few weeks. If we get a fucking EDH group going and we start playing we'll EDH for sure talking about that, like you will be talking about that. I'm yeah. not going to shy away from magic. I'm not turning my back on Watsy as a company permanently. I just we need to see some other people for a little while. <laughs> We're on a break. We're on a break. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's um, I'm excited. I'm really excited with the basically I've. I don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but we're going to effectively have cartridge cartel episodes. Yes. Um, And one of the things that I really like about that, and it was the same thing with magic, but like when you have something that is for lack of a better word, requiring you to do something else. Like for example, if we're going to be talking about magic on a podcast for two years, it's going to require me to play magic, to look into it, to read about it, to watch magic content. Case in point. I used to listen to probably between four and 10 hours of podcasts about magic a week to keep up to date on the news on top of, on top of making a fucking three hours myself, but like other news I missed other content, other changes, other strategies. I listen to a lot of fucking magic content every week. Right. And that's that same type of effect and attitude I'm excited for because one of the things like, I'm a, I've mentioned it before. I'm a very kind of inertial person. So like when I'm doing something, I don't want to stop. Mm-hmm. Whether that's sitting on the couch or playing a video game or watching a movie or working. Yeah. Um, this will push me to like play more of my retro games because I have a huge fucking library. Not like yep. a like Reddit level, like I own every game, but I have yeah. a I have a fucking lot of video games. Yep. Uh I've got like two CRT TVs with a PlayStation yep. 2 and a Super Nintendo hooked up to them. Like, like I've got my entire basement is basically dedicated to gaming. Yep. But after work, I don't do a lot of it because I don't really have any, like anything outside myself pushing me to do it. Yeah. Whereas having a more gaming centric podcast outside of magic, is going to push me to do that. Yep. So if it's like, Hey, we have a cartridge cartel episode to record. You need to sit down and play metal gear solid. Cause we're talking yeah. about it this yep. month. Like, Cool. Now I well, have something making me want to play yeah. this. It happens most nights that like, so our gaming group gets on at nine 30 and honestly, I would kind of like to game at like seven 38. That's kind of what I want to, I, I get the like urge. I start mm-hmm. like looking at my phone being like, fuck, are we getting on yet? When are we getting on? So like, yeah, I'll go spend an hour and a half, two hours playing a fucking playing whatever game we're working towards and then go play apex for a few hours. But like, cause like there's, I don't want to go sit there and I don't want to go run 15 games of apex when no one's there or right. play rocket league for an hour and a half or whatever, but to go put some time in to, you know, clock into work, but like put some time into the game we're working on and get some content created in my head for it. It's a great excuse to go and put some time in for it. Yep. So, and that's basically what the podcast did with magic for me. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take nearly as much motivation because like magic has been a huge part of my life for yeah. a lot of my life. At this oh yeah. Point, I was most, most of my life. I listened to all those podcasts before we made our own. Right. Like they were already there. It's just, because I wanted that I wanted to keep track of the legacy meta and the and and like so like one of the podcasts I used to love listening to and I still listen to sometimes was uh, Eternal Glory mm-hmm. because it's Phil Gallagher, Bryant Cook, and Brian Coble and or Coble Coble I don't remember, but primarily what their episodes center around are like gaming theory and gaming practice and 
they're essentially like little tutoring sessions on how to play better. And I really enjoyed listening to them. And it's very high level discussion. And it's very high level discussion. And they're very high level players. And I really enjoyed that. And like, I just don't enjoy it much anymore because like, I just don't, I don't care. I, I just have so little interest to play these formats. And they talk about popular, modern, legacy. And I just am not interested. And I also, in my opinion, they have some dumb fucking opinions sometimes. Like well, yeah. they're 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 one of the podcasts I was referencing where like it seems like they will talk about how a format and dive into it and act like they enjoy it for three months at a time. And then they'll have one episode where they do nothing but bitch about this is fucking ridiculous. And I can't believe it's been like that. It's been like that this long. And how can we be okay with this? The truth slips out a little bit. And they just fucking go into a rant about how upset they are with it. Whereas Matt and I have been bitching about it for three months. Yeah. But it makes better content to be positive. Yes. So, while they're not entirely wrong, Matt and I are going to transition our content to something that is a little more positive. Except Metal Gear Solid sucks dick. Fuck that game. (laughs) He said after playing it for five minutes. We'll give it another try. I'm These looking forward to it. fucking controls suck. Yep, they do. They now are. play the fucking game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's part of life sometimes. But uh, that's our big announcement. Um, to anyone who loves us for the magic content, thank you very much for sticking out with us. Thank you very much for valuing our opinion. I am sorry that we will no longer be giving you our magic opinion, but um, I greatly appreciate the time you have spent listening to us. To anyone who just likes listening to us and is looking forward to hearing our banter on some other topic, I look super forward to making tons more content for you. I don't know how long the episodes will be going forward. Um, We have a pretty solid structure of how long we like to kind of banter before the episode and then how long kind of our focus discussion takes. So some things will be changing. I have no intention of changing the schedule. So we're still going to try and be recording on Monday and posting on hopefully Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And... Um, really nothing else should change that much. All the contacts can be the same. All the names are going to be the same. So if you want to reach out to us, if you want to send us an email and tell us how much you hate us stopping legacy or how upset you are, you certainly can. I will listen to it. I may even respond. It's not going to change it. This one is not up for a vote. This one's not a democracy. This is not asking your opinion. Well, it was up for a vote and, uh, it was unanimous two to zero. Yeah. The two people that voted (laughs) that mattered voted. Um, we're done. We're out. We're, we're out of magic. Yep. Matt, as we wrap up this week's episode, it's quite a bit longer than normal. Uh, is there anything else you would like to talk about? The only thing I'll say is I wish you watched more movies because I would love to talk about movies with you. Nope, not going to happen. I know. Uh, quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you guys very much. Patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. And I think we will see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. I'm uh, I'm going to crack this uh, crack this land for a plateau. I'm gonna cast Cot, uh, Comet Stellar Pup. Uh, it's a it, it's a, it's four mana. It's a five mana planeswalker, or it's a five loyalty planeswalker. It's Comet uh, zero. Roll a six sided die on a one or two. It's one of the new Infinity cards. Do you want to read it? No, uh, I scoop. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt chatting meta games or slinging some spells, casting elves, sipping on blue soup and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and ranger scrounge the sylvan libraries for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of 
flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus, shepherd danced on dinosaurs, stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thou sincere, and they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. <laughs>